the garden help you need. Now, Mid-South Gardening on the Mighty 990, powered by Palladio Home and Garden, with your host, Beta Vance, Kenneth Mabry, and Jim Crowder. <laughs> Good morning, gardeners, and welcome to Mid-South Gardening. We're trying to get adjusted here, because on the camera, there's me, there's Kenneth, and then there's Jim's hand. So we have Fane with us today. <laughs> I'm here. But good morning, Mr. Jim and Miss Veda. Morning to you, sir. Missed you last week. Yeah, man. I was um, I was actually at work last last Saturday. Yeah, uh, we believe it. Well, and I had a gentleman come in to prove it. I had a gentleman come in, and he said, uh, so you are here. And I went, what do you mean? Mm-hmm. He said, I heard on the radio show that I need to come check on yes. you. And I went... Them little sneakers, you know. <laughs> right, we did. We had our doubts about whether or not you were really there. <laughs> no, I was there. From a uh, listener, he came in and checked. He had some questions, but he still came in, oh, I think, really good. to check and make sure I was there. I, on the way to work, I drove really slow by Dan West looking for your vehicle. something? I'm not saying. Yeah, well, you, I, I wasn't there at, what, 5.30 in the morning? <laughs> no, after work. I mean, after the show. Oh, I was there. Mm, but I Happy know. New Year, you everybody. Were, um, like I said, I wasn't here last weekend, but glad to be here now. And, man, what about that drive coming in? Oh, foggy. Oh, yeah. yeah definitely foggy. But you know what? When I saw that rain start coming down yesterday, mm-hmm. finally, yeah. I, I don't know if I didn't call it rain, but it was uh-huh. what we call rain. Yeah. I was like, thank the Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, things were getting a little dry around my house. And, you know, typically we don't think about watering at all this time of Mm. year. And even containers, you know. Right, that's the one. Yeah, Yeah. those are the most important ones. So, and they, Gina has a few out there with pansies in them. And I looked out yesterday morning, as a matter of fact, and I'm like, if I don't get home and water these things, they're not going to make it through the night. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So One of of our our, uh, members posted a picture of what was previously a, a very nice camellia previously brand new one you know that mm-hmm. she had planted and uh, it had a dozen leaves left on it all dry uh you know um just hadn't been just watered a, oh, that's I exactly didn't. right yeah <laughs> i remember exactly that right. one she could have done everything just right and just not skimped got on the water, water. got to water a new plant but you would i mean but my whole thing is this time of year i typically don't think about watering you know in the summertime mm-hmm. when it's hot that's and dry right. i do this mm-hmm. time of year yeah. you know a lot of times we get the adequate rain you know it's cooler mm-hmm. you know we don't have the evaporation that we normally have but and we're normally a little more rainy and this time of year yeah, yeah. so instinctively we just don't we've been so blessed every year to get away with enough rain at the proper times yeah. but this year i lost some some container stuff because you're just like oh i'm sh- oh it's fine yeah no nope. well even even for example I had some people in the garden center yesterday buying some bulbs and um, they were going to go ahead and go home and plant them and they said well should i water it in i said well yeah and, you know usually when you plant bulbs the first thing you do is come back and water it in and they said well how often should i water i said you know that's probably the only time you'll need to water mm-hmm. Uh, because, you know, down in the ground, usually speaking, this time of year, you know, it's moist enough. And it's not going to completely dry out where it actually kills a bulb, right? But, um, yeah, I mean, it, it felt foreign for me to say, yeah, go ahead and water it in mm-hmm. this time of year, but you definitely need to. Yeah. yeah, on any new plant, in fact, I've gotten in the habit the last few years of watering thoroughly when I plant it, and then again the next day uh-huh. to make sure that we get soil settled into all of those open spaces you know, that you know i probably left when i planted it so yeah um, that that's 
That's a it good thing to, good do. to do. It sounded good to me, so I do it. <laughs> I know, well, you know, I see. Well, that's either that or just stand there and push soil down and down, and then you compact it. Well, yeah, exactly. You <laughs> right. know, I see people plant trees, and then they stomp yes. on the ground, you know. You went to all the uh-huh. trouble uh-huh. of loosening it, and now you're packing <laughs> right. it like concrete again. Yes, you know? yes. yes. Well, now, on. let me make this stand up. <laughs> let me push this, you know, soil in tighter and harder so the tree doesn't fall over. Well, you know, you're only planting a tree that probably you shouldn't plant you know it, the thing has got all this top growth and this little bitty root system down yeah. there so you got to stomp the soil around it jim just to keep the thing standing straight up you know yeah. and the, right and then that's what we do is compact the soil so well talking about trees um and staking trees yeah you know there's always been and i think i see it a little less maybe people are learning but they've got it tied down like it's a tent yeah i mean sometimes when they're young and the trunks are still kind of wispy you know it's okay to stake it or maybe tie it up but you know it's a crutch and trees want to move uh, with the wind and that's what builds their strength actually uh and, you know you you take a tree and you uh, tied up with a tree staking kit or you stake it up and you leave it on there forever. Yeah, right. That's the weakest tree you could ever find right mm-hmm. there. And that's what I see them on there. So would y'all say um, also a better staking system to do the stake next to the trunk? Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. just... I like yeah. it to get you know get a long stake like four feet long, mm-hmm. get as close to the trunk as I can and drive it through the root ball into mm-hmm. the subsoil up underneath, mm-hmm. so that, that holds it in place and then loosely wrap it. You want the tree to move, yeah. okay? Mm-hmm. That's good for it. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't necessarily want it to fall down, but you no, want it to move. You want it to move back and forth in the wind. In fact, I think I've told this story before. There was a, a very famous gardener in England who had. A person hired to just shake her plants. Oh, yeah. That's <laughs> so, amazing. Yeah. And, yeah. and they actually did research on this, and they found it's best to do it between 10 and 12 during the day. <laughs> I know how they proved that. I'm you know, not really sure. Right. But you actually do get benefit by moving it, and it, it, I guess it frees up anything that may have clogged the arteries, you know? That is amazing. So. I know that the things... Sometimes we overdo it that we don't things we don't have to do. But then I'm a strategic person like and I almost could see me having a lady somebody oh if that's going to make them better go shake the tree. Okay, that reminds me of uh something that I my sister sent me a video and I was like, yeah, right. And then I thought, oh, maybe cuz so many things are changing. And we're learning so much more. So I did a quick research, but I never got to finish it. But this is what I heard was the stomatos on the bottom of the leaves open up when the birds start singing in the morning. Mm. And that's how they know to start doing their thing. So I looked it up and AI, I I don't do AI on purpose, but somehow it's connected to the Google and, you know, you still don't know if you can believe AI or not, but it, it listed out, yeah, that's the thing, you know, it, the stomata opens and when the birds are singing and all of that. I've never read that. I, I mean, I'm not I'm saying like, it's not well, true, yeah, but I've never read it. Yeah, I mean, in, in cacti, they open at night, right, okay, yeah. because they hold during the heat of the day when the sun's on them, they, they're... They don't want to lose that moisture, so the stomata mm-hmm. close, yeah. and then they open at night. And in fact, people who want to spray feed their cacti spray feed them at night, so it actually can go into the stomata mm-hmm. uh, because you know it's not absorbed very well through the epidermis yeah. or through a leaf tissue. 
Yeah. Uh, hmm. We'll have to find out. I'm going to have to find out a little bit more about the birds singing. Because now there's another thing to think about in balancing nature. Yeah. <laughs> but going back to, you know, the shrub shaker that Jim was talking about or the tree shaker. Can you imagine going out and having to fill out some kind of application and it says job position? Well, tree shaker. <laughs> shrub shaker. <laughs> and they're like, we need to get this guy some help. Yeah. Well, it could, you know, I, I, we used to sell bird seed when I was at PNS Garden Center many, many years ago. And we had a customer who bought hundreds of pounds of it and she had a gardener whose only job was to move water hoses and fill bird feeders <laughs> that's all he did <laughs> and she got so mad because one snowy day her husband sent him home oh and she Aww. got really <laughs> mad because she needed those bird feeders yeah. filled <laughs> oh yeah I, oh my god yeah, what a, what a job. It could be nice just moving hoses and filling bird yeah, feeders. Yeah, I or, can do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, shaking trees, I'm not sure how they do that. That's, you know, there's machinery, like in the citrus groves and all. Yeah, that's bubble. just to knock that yeah. old fruit off. Yeah. Right, right. But I don't think that's making them produce more. But yeah, I'm curious about when the birds sing, the stomatas open. It's You'll have to signal. do some research on that because in the stomata is that little opening, like you said, on the bottom of the leaf. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's got guard cells, you know, that I've... They're called bulliform cells. Yeah, around the opening <laughs> that will open or close, you know, the stomata. Mm-hmm. But uh, I don't think, I don't know. We'll have to do some research on that Nature one. is... I mean, we talk about balancing nature all the time, and then as time progresses, I'm like, whoa, there's a lot more to it, Well, more than you could know. But but our, just, think about desolate places. Well, I guess desolate places don't have a lot of foliage plants anyway, do they? Yeah, you know, the cacti have very little foliage because of the sun, I mean, yeah. and they have a thick um, cuticle layer to help protect them from the sun. In fact, we had uh, someone post that in a cactus group that uh, that I'm in that she actually, and she's a retailer, she takes the small cactus in four-inch pots and she makes a suds out of soap and actually washes them mm. uh, with Dawn detergent. Ugh. And when she washes it off, leaves them really shiny and bright mm-hmm. green, you know. Now, the issue is, she's not ever having to deal with those plants right. once they leave there. Mm-hmm. But she's taking that cuticle layer off. If that uh, plant goes out in full sun, it's going to die quickly. Yeah, it's going to burn the heck out of it. Yep. Right. Yep. So it, it really uh-huh. should look that kind of cloudy white. I mean, that's it's that's on there it. for a purpose. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, they're just trying to dress it up for retail, just like they have painted cactus and just graft them on the top. You know, they actually dye the cactus, and then they graft it. Well, a lot of those are natural, too. A lot of the red ones, particularly, are natural uh, oh. clones, but they don't produce chlorophyll, so they can't live on their own. So they have to be grafted onto a wow. green Wow, yeah. that is really cool. Yeah. But the purples and the greens, maybe not natural. Uh, maybe some red. of them are, yeah. but, but there are a number of red and yellow mm-hmm. uh, cacti that um, um, you, you got to graft them or you can't. Can't keep them alive. So there are those colors. Interesting. Okay, y'all, I guess we do have to go to a break. So y'all can call us at 260-5926. Good morning, gardeners, and welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. We're here with you this morning to answer your questions and see what's all going on in your yard. Yeah, if you want to give us a call, 901-260-5926, 901-260-5926, or you can always shoot us a text 
on the Mighty 990 Facebook page, Mid-South Gardening. Yeah. If you miss all of this, you can go to kwamradio.com and listen to the podcast anytime you want. But we're not on Facebook right now. Yeah, but we will be so, here yeah, this morning, though. <laughs> Soon we should be. Um, let's see. So we got to solve the problem with the birds singing and the stomatas opening, so we'll have more <laughs> updates on that later. Sounds like a comment book, doesn't it? <laughs> it does. <laughs> I, was, um, I was doing some reading the other day, and let me go over these, if you don't mind, and y'all tell me what you think. It says, gardening trends we're saying goodbye to in 2024, Okay. So these used to be garden trends, so they used mm-hmm. to be very popular. Now they're saying in 2024, not so much. And some of these I agree on, and maybe some of them I don't. Uh, the first one was plastic edging. Mm-hmm. Okay? You know, everybody and their mother, including myself, had plastic edging around our beds at one time. Yeah, I still think the black diamond stuff's good. Uh, Jim, that's my point. I think edging, plastic edging, if it's installed correctly, correctly yeah. you know, it, it's okay. I mm-hmm. mean, because all you're seeing really is just the top lip to hold that mulch in the bed, and it it does separate the lawn or whatever from the bed. Now, but I've also seen some plastic edging that wasn't installed correctly, and it's bent and cracked mm-hmm. and sticking up out of the Half ground. Of it, yeah. Eight foot, I mean, eight, eight, eight inches, and it looks horrible. Mm-hmm. But that's one of the trends they're saying that's on the way out in 2024, mm-hmm. of course, is plastic edging. They're saying use uh, stone, brick, yeah. uh, even the metal edging. Well, one one reason plastic edging could be going out is because a younger generation has a st- sustainability, you know, on their mind. And plastics out of uh, petroleum, it's and landfill. Mm-hmm. So that could be one reason they're yeah run, you know, not using it. But yeah, I'm thinking. I mean. You're exactly right. I, I can see. I mean, I've seen great places where it's been put in the ground properly. Me yeah, too. But it is a lot of work to do it properly. Yeah. And I think that may be as much of a reason as anything. Exactly. That's yeah. true. Yeah. You, you know, know, so yeah. either some alternative products, uh, like I said, brick or stone. or You know, and I like the metal edging, too. Me too. Yeah, me um, too. I, I like the brown better than the green, but you see more mm-hmm. of the green for some reason. Amen. But you don't even have to sink that if you've got the long sp- stakes on it it can be up three inches above your ground mm-hmm. and stake it in and it makes a really nice um it's sturdy yeah mulch holder right yeah. that's what it yeah mulch yeah. holder and then uh, they I, think it's a weed keeper backer but it's a mulch yeah. holder well and it does give you you know if you're using a weed eater it gives you something hard to go across mm-hmm. to cut your grass mm-hmm. yeah that's you a know. good idea that works you know and yeah. i just have a little trench in front of my beds mm-hmm. uh where you know the beds are built up and the mulch kind of goes from the top down to the to the trench and I, as long as i'm with jim as long as i just weed eat it every time i uh, cut my grass you mm-hmm. know i'm fine uh, the other one was uh, swath planting, and this one I had a no, little pushback on. No, that cannot on. be. A tr- I agree. I mean, they were talking about you know being more diverse uh, in your mm-hmm. planting, even with annuals, which right. I kind of think was not to me not mm-hmm. right uh, in a perennial bed or a shrub bed. Uh, I, I get that. Yeah, you know, because we don't want just the same thing you right, know throughout right. the whole yard. But when it comes to like annual color. I see nothing wrong with having the same plant in yeah. a bed, and maybe even the same color. To be well, honest with you, I guess their thoughts again are diversity to That's attract exactly more, what it was more, yeah, uh, wildlife and all. But still, there's going to be some swaths yeah. because 
I mean, if you had a little yard, maybe not, but, you know, in spaces that you've got, because it looks such a good impact. We'll see how but these trends hold up. Definitely okay. annuals. You have to have So swath, swath planting, they're saying on Is the way. Is that the word they swath use? Planting, swath planting, yes. Uh, the other one was uh, artificial turf. Oh, that's definitely. That's no never way. been in. Yeah, that's, that's, what what I, said. Jim, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> Hang on a minute. Are we, we're just now getting into uh-huh. artificial turf. Exactly. Yeah, I, th- I think, you know, if you go out west, it's much more prevalent. You're exactly true, right. True. Yeah, you know, the southwest where they're on limited water or can't water your garden mm-hmm. at all. Uh, I think it's a viable option. I do, too. Yeah. You know, it's not something that you got to take care of. You don't yeah. have to water it ever. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Um, but even in, in, in here in Memphis, uh, I knew uh, somebody that had done some landscaping for this customer. She actually brought the uh, her a picture of it in. Mm-hmm. They put uh, artificial turf around a kind of like a little back house, okay? It looked great, mm-hmm. and the reason they did artificial turf is because that's where the dog runs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, eventually, it might even mess up the artificial turf, but it worked perfect for them right. for that reason. But I was like, okay, well, I think there's still some uses for artificial turf. Now, I don't want it in my yard because yeah. I'd rather have grass, but they're saying that's still a trend that's on the way out. And like Jim said, you see this further out west mm-hmm. where you don't have the rainfall in some cases like we do here. So we'll have to wait and see if that holds up true yeah. also. And then, of course, if you're going to do artificial grass, you really, really should go for the highest end quality mm-hmm. because it melts. It uh, the young, the not the high, not the you know the, the what am I trying to the, say? More economical one. It melts. Uh, it holds the smell of animal urine get, more. Gets really sticky. You know, yeah. when it gets hot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there are some really new ones out that are pretty. Yeah. Yeah, now football players don't like that artificial turf. It's not as forgiving as soil. No, you get turf toe. Remember that? (laughs) The other one was uh, front yard raised beds. And... (laughs) <laughs> like the one I'm about to build. Right. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. In fact, every night, every day I go home from work, I can drive past this house that's got these big galvanized, custom mm-hmm. galvanized raised beds in their front yeah. yard. And maybe that's the only place they have to have raised mm-hmm. beds and grow vegetables yeah, or whatever. Yeah, and all, yeah. But they're saying, you know, think about it, because a lot of people put them out there with good intentions. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the next year you drive by, it's just full of weeds yeah. and everything else. So... Raised beds and front yards like the gym one the one gym that's gonna built. Well, supposed you know, to be a no no this year, When Jim. I'm talking about raised beds though, I'm talking mm-hmm. about something, you know, that's a couple of field stone high yeah. right, and it's right. there to hold it back. Yeah. I'm not talking about the big galvan you know right. these these things they build in backyards, whether out of wood or brick mm-hmm. or galvanized. To me, those are container gardens. That's exactly yeah. right. <laughs> yeah. They're not really raised right. beds. Right. That's what I was thinking that we were talking about uh Raised beds, not because I would have called it two container gardening. What, but and I've seen those metal uh water troughs, it's like a <laughs> yeah. huge mm-hmm. horse yeah. or cattle trough, and, you know. Uh, I have seen them in about four places, and two of them are fantastic, they fit in nicely. And these are in the front yard, yeah. And the other two are exactly what you said, Jim, you know, just. Or Kenneth, they're just weeds growing yeah, in know, there. It, yeah. you know, they didn't it, say don't put them in the backyard. They just said, yeah, you know, not if, in right the front yard. if you've got a great Pyrenees or a great Dane, you know, they will help keep your plants alive. You know, get them up where they're not likely to trample. That's them, true. Yeah, you know? yeah. But you know, for you know, and and for somebody my age, it, 
to get it up closer to where I can pick it. It uh-huh. helps a lot. It's so much more fun. Right. So, so that's yeah. a big no-no. You know, they're saying goodbye to that in 2024. Uh, and we'll go over some more of these when we get back from the break. But another one of the things I mentioned is uh, colored mulch. Uh-huh. They said that is a big old say goodbye to colored mm-hmm. mulch in 2024. I'm like, I don't think so. You yeah, know, some do people I, just won't. Oh, there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, you've seen the red mulches yeah. and the orange mulches, and you know, I'm surprised there's not blue mulches and every other color in between. But they're saying that it's time just to let that go. Mm-hmm. Go back to your natural mulches, regardless of what that mulch is, whether it's a shredded pine bark or shredded hardwood, cedar, cypress, whatever. They're saying just leave the color out of it. And I'm thinking, well, yeah, I mean, I get that. And they, you know, for all the dyes that are in there that gets into the soil, it can run over to the neighbors. They were mentioning all kind of reasons not to use it. But I guarantee you that's one that people are not going to say goodbye to in 2024. We'll have to wait and see. Yeah, a lot of people like the black mulch. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. um, and I don't see a problem with that as long as you get the one that's truly dyed. You know, but it isn't going to hold its color more than about a year. That's right. You know, it's going to start fading out. Now, there are some uh, mulch paints that you can use to refresh them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, I, I'm going out to paint I, the mulch today. Yeah. yeah. You know, I, I, to me, a, a good wood mulch just looks nice. I agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't have to be orange, though, no, honestly, right. or red. So, And so yeah. then what happens is they're starting to, they put the black, they, the black mulch goes down. Um Maybe a little too thick, but maybe not. Maybe it's just right. The color fades. They call their landscaper. I need more mulch. But mm-hmm. the first layer of mulch is never broke down right. into the soil. So that's and they never how, remove that first layer before they put yeah, the third layer on. Yeah, and that's on. how you start choking your plants out. All right, y'all are heading to a break. We'd love to hear your questions. You're listening to The Mighty 990. Good morning, gardeners. Welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. If y'all want to post a question on Facebook Live, that's great. Uh, you can call 901... No. Yes, yeah. you can. 901-260-5926. <laughs> I was trying to think of what I was going to say after I... Jumped ahead. Yeah, jumped ahead. Um, what was I going to say after was... But you're right, 901-260-5926. And if you don't want to go on air, Philip can put your question up. We can answer it that way. And then if you miss all of this, you can go back and listen to the podcast, uh, com anytime you want. Yep. We were talking about, guys, uh, trends that we were saying goodbye to in 2024. And, you know, plastic edging, swath planting, which I'm with Veda. I don't think that's ever going to go away. Artificial turf. I think there are places for artificial turf. Uh, now, you know, raised beds in your front yard. I'm not a fan of that, but I don't, if somebody else wants to do it, that's their business. Yeah. You know, they might not have any room at all in the backyard. But they're saying that's a big out. And then colored mulch we were talking about. Another one, which I can see this, is the big playground set that everybody buys Mm -hmm. when they start having kids. Yeah. Um, Whether it's in front or backyard, they're saying that's a trend that's going away. And I'm like, yeah, "Yeah." they're all sitting on a computer and play games (laughs) all the time. (laughs) Thank you, Jim. Uh, Now, I know somebody just put up a great swing set thingy for their... uh, Niece. Okay. So. But they're saying now that scale it down. Uh, you don't need this 30 foot long, right. you know, eight swings, thir- you know, a slide, this mm-hmm. huge, you know, monkey bars and all this stuff. They're saying just, just something simple for the kids. 
Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know who they are, but that's what yeah. they are saying. So <laughs> the big entertainment um, centers in the backyard should be, they say, a big no-no for 2024. That's sad. Yeah. And then this one got me too, y'all. You know how everybody was into outdoor living, which they still mm-hmm. are. And the first thing they did, if you had the funds, was to build an outdoor kitchen. Yeah. You know, you had these beautiful grills and these granite countertops and these fountains out there and a big TV and Mm -hmm. the fan. They were so against that. I'm thinking, well, hang on, man. You know, an outdoor room like that, to me, is pretty cool. At least you're going outside to do a lot of your festivities. But they're saying, don't use indoor material for outside use. Right? It's, no, it's outside material. Well, but they were saying all you needed was a grill and a countertop, okay? Well, yeah, that's all you need. need. I'm right. <laughs> right. <laughs> but what I want. <laughs> exactly, Veda. So I, you know what I'm, I'm wondering, too, is, okay, so they're writing this article now, and they've probably done research or statistics or just read that some uh, things are are going down, but they're not realizing at the pandemic time mm-hmm. everything went up because mm-hmm. people were home. You know, we sold like ten fire pits because everybody was home, right. and now now it's just a few because they're they're just out and out and out and again. And so we're kind of going back to pre pandemic times. So you, what could I say? Fire pits are out right. now because but they were in during COVID, like yeah, you said, right, right. So maybe. That maybe the request has went down, but I don't think they're out. Yeah. So those were just a few of the things that they're saying, um, we're saying goodbye to in 2024. And like I said, there's arguments both ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I still love the, you know, the outdoor space, you know, whether it's a, an addition to the house that's open, has no walls, mm-hmm. of course, has columns coming down, the beautiful wooden ceiling, the, you know, the nice ceiling fan up there. You got the TV up there. You got your fireplace, mm-hmm. typically speaking. The beautiful, you know, the the cooler and the grill and the granite counter. Yeah. Nothing and the wrong flies with any- and the mosquitoes. Yeah. And- <laughs> <laughs> but to me, there's nothing wrong with any mm-hmm. of that. They're saying just you don't need all that. Scale it back. And but they're saying that that trend is mm-hmm. saying is going away in 2024. Which I don't think that's true right. either. Well, I would say the outdoor fireplaces, at least those. Because it solves, like for me growing up, we had bonfires outside. You were in the country. You had a bonfire. It didn't matter. But now if you're in the suburbs, you can't do the bonfires. But I like to have fire outside. Well, you're right. You're bringing the country to the suburbs when you have that nice fireplace out there. Right. So anyway, that would be, um, so no raised beds. So now what's in my yard? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like Jim said, and you know, not to mention the flies and mosquitoes and yeah. gnats and all that that come with it. And then um, s- switching topics, guys. I- I've had a, probably a couple people ask me this week, uh, and I think it's important to bring it up because a lot of people, I guess, don't know is when's the best time to cut back hydrangeas? And that's the mm-hmm. question you get. Hey, when do I cut my hydrangeas back? Right. Well, you know, that's a not just a simple one-part answer because you have to ask them, first of all, what kind of hydrangeas mm-hmm. are we talking about? And I don't know. They, yeah. bl- they bloom. <laughs> is it the white bloom, the pink, or the blue bloom, you know? Um, and then if it's a white bloom, is the bloom round? Mm. Is the bloom... <laughs> Paniculata shape, and I don't know, there's a leaf soft or fuzzy, I don't know. Right, but you're right. I mean, uh, it, it depends on the hydrangea, honestly. If it's the, some of the newer, like, limelights and little limes and bobos and those paniculata varieties, mid-February, early March, not a problem. 
The beauty of that hydrangea is it blooms kind of like a crepe myrtle off the same year's growth. You can cut it back in the spring, it flushes out and blooms on that growth. Where, as we know, your old-fashioned hydrangeas, including oak leaf hydrangeas, they'll bloom this year off of last year's growth. Mm -hmm. So if you go in there in, you know, mid-February, early March, mid-March, and cut those back, you're cutting all the blooming tissue off. And I think when you tell people that, you can hear this pause and they go, Oh, <laughs> yeah. Like they've already done yes, it before yes. they asked the question. Right. So if you've got hydrangeas and you want to cut them back, make sure you know really what type of hydrangea mm-hmm. you're cutting back because it really depends on that, on whether you can do it at a right. certain time or not. And then even though this is a perfect time, time to prune plants, but they're still selective ones, like all the ones that are going to bloom in the spring, if you prune those now... But your trees and your shrubs and everything that needs some shaping up or some pruning, you can do, this is a good time. Yeah, and you can surely go out there and deadhead your hydrangeas. Like my limelights that are in my backyard, I mean, they've got these big old brown blooms on them. And to me, it doesn't. I don't really mind that look, Yeah, you know. But if I wanted to, I could go out there today and cut those old blooms off. Um, but just be careful when you're cutting hydrangeas back, guys. you got to know what type of hydrangea you're cutting back because it... That's what makes the difference on when you should cut those things back or not. And how you cut them back makes a difference. What do you mean? Well, you know, with the paniculatus and the ones that bloom on this year's wood, you can cut those all the stems back to 12 inches tall and they're going out and just be fine. Right. But when you're pruning a mop head or the micropholis, you want to reach to the inside and take out the oldest canes, about a third or so each year. Pick the ones that are peeling like a birch tree. Mm-hmm. Go in, take those off down low, and you'll get two to three to replace that. So, you know, you want to selectively prune low. Don't go in there and just knock the tops off of them because mm-hmm. what you're going to get is very thin stems that won't support your flowers mm-hmm. the following year. So prune hard when you have to do it, but don't prune them all, just a third or so. And that's just the old-fashioned pinks and blues we're right. talking about, mm-hmm. the mop heads. Right. Yeah, because sometimes you see them just so full of foliage, just packed full of foliage and not a lot of blooms. So that's that, I like that idea. And we've had a couple of years here where we've had lots of foliage and no blooms. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah you know? that's true. Well, last, you know, last year, uh, you know, the flash freeze, it that knocked all the blooming tissue off of these. It killed all the blooming tissue on our old mop head hydrangeas. Uh, and that's the thing around here. You know, if you get a late cold spell, and we never know. So a lot of times we do. Uh, it can do some damage to this hydrangeas. But every now and then we'll have a, a growing season where they're all blooming. Mm-hmm. And, and this may be one of them. Could be. I think this is going to be a good yeah. year for hydrangeas. Now, of course, this is still early January, mm-hmm. and we really haven't had a lot of cold right. weather yet. So maybe we'll just keep moving on like... Jim's predicting we could be warmer and a yeah, little Yeah, you missed drier. my 60-day forecast. Oh, yeah. Well, right, I, I heard did. y'all talking about the weather yeah. uh, mm-hmm. and weather, you know, the dry spots and mm-hmm. the wettest spots around on the way in last week yeah. and on yeah. the way in. We just work, had some inter- interesting facts, but during mm-hmm. the, the last hour, uh, I went over my 60-day forecast, which basically means that the drought's going to continue mostly through February. Uh, we'll get some rains. Like, you know, we're going to get probably two inches or so uh, come Tuesday, Wednesday. Uh, but that's not significantly helping our drought. Oh, it, let me let some. me create a folklore here. <laughs> if you if it doesn't rain in the beginning of uh, the year, and it's going to start raining more in spring, and then we'll be rained out. 
See, that's, that's just our, a, because that's our luck. Yeah, okay. That, that's not a prediction. But that wasn't that part of Jim's prediction. Yeah. No, no, not at all. So, but okay. I'm like, that's our luck. You have perfect gardening season in January and February, maybe part of March. And then when the season hits, it rains all the time or on Saturday. But well, we're not going to have that either, Jim, no, right? You know, yeah. I think we're going to be in the warm side of most of the fronts, like yesterday. Mm-hmm. It snowed hard over in Arkansas. Yes, mm-hmm. I saw uh, You know, just you know, seventy or eighty miles from here, mm-hmm. and they had hard, heavy snow. Um, but it appears that most of them, the really um, strong storms that are going to move across the south are going to be south of us. Like um, most of the rain yesterday was south of us. Yeah. Um, and it's going to do like it's doing today, moving up the East Coast and becoming a substantial winter storm up there. Wow. So we're just kind of, we're in that pattern to where right. mm-hmm. we're, we're going to be on the north side. We may get some rain, but not heavy, heavy rain, you we're, know, except when we get these lows that come out of the northwest. We're getting just the fringes of, right. of mm-hmm. the... So it's snowing above us and raining below us, and here we are. Yeah. Or, or snowing below us and raining above There's us. There's yeah. that. <laughs> Okay, let's go to a break. And um, give us a call, 901-260-596. You're listening to KWAM. Good morning. Welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. I'm Beta with Palladio. And I'm Kenneth with Dan West Garden Centers. And I'm Jim Crowder, administrator of our Facebook group, Mid-South Gardening, Gardening in USDA Zone 6, 7, and 8. And a great webpage it is, yep. our yep. Facebook page. And we've had, I was just checking this morning at some of the stats, we're 10,400 and something members. We have, um, there haven't been very many posts the last 30 <clears throat> days, which is not, but we've had uh, like 7,500 people that are active members that have actually gone in and liked something or posted a comment uh, so I think, you know, with 75% participation, I'm real pleased. Good Lord, even this time of year. That's yeah. a that's good, um, good amount of participation, actually. It is, yeah. And Veda, what's been going on at Palladio's this time oh, of year? We have just been... Spring cleaning? Playing with house plants, mm-hmm. planting up containers and things like that, rearranging pottery, mm-hmm. ordering fountains, statuary, dreaming about plants, you know, kind of... That, this, this kind time of year kind mm-hmm. of stuff you yeah know? yeah which which i love the break uh of um just have you know love the break to be able to just do <clears throat> projects and things like that but i did a, another instagram video and i invited people in now to plan and look for stuff because you won't have to stand in line there's not the influx of people but if you come into garden centers now, right. you can get more help. You've got time to uh, work with people. And there's so many supplies and things that you can go ahead and get ahead of time. Yeah. Instead of waking up and wanting to garden and you run outside and you can't find your pruners or your shovel was broke from last year or you don't you have, have no any gloves. soil. <laughs> yeah, no gloves. <laughs> you know, it's time to fertilize. You know, hey, it's great. So then you go out shopping. And that's taking a lot of time out of your gardening time. Yeah. And then you get back and you got to have lunch. And then you're lazy after lunch. <laughs> <laughs> I so, think Veda's had done with his experience. What do you uh, think? It sounds like it. Yeah. Um, oh, no, I'm just always, it's because that's what you hear customers say. Yeah, but you're you right. Know? I mean, but it, yeah. this is not, of course, you know, there's still a lot to do this time of year. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I actually feel really good because I think yesterday we finally got 
in our building anyway, the last resemblance of Christmas put up. Mm-hmm. You know, boxed up, inventoried, stored, uh, to where I can think about, you know, spring, honestly. Um, and then, of course, you know, we're still selling a lot of bulbs this, this past mm-hmm. week because you can surely still get out there and plant tulips and daffodils. That we got them on clearance right now, so it's mm-hmm. a good time of year to get your bulbs if you haven't planted them yeah. yet. Even if they don't bloom this year, they're still <laughs> a good investment. But they probably still should, yeah. even this year. Yeah. You know? Yeah, that's that's a good point. Good yeah. investment. And then cleaning and inventory and, you know, just this this time of year yeah. kind of stuff. Right, right. What do we want to carry next year? What are the new, new things in stock? And... Uh, now there's so many different things that you just almost can't go. You know how back in the day yeah. <laughs> you could get the list and you knew everything on it because you didn't have to, again, think between 30 varieties of this and that and that. So you mm-hmm. can just order fast. Now I'm looking down the list going, I haven't heard of that. So yeah. then you got to look it up. Yeah. And then you go, is that any different than that one really? So to ordering and all that now takes so much longer because I'm having to learn new things. But that's the beauty of it, though. I mean, a lot of these plants of old, you know, mm-hmm. they've improved on them for the most part. Yeah. Then some, you know, not so much. But like you're talking about, Veda, you know, this is just another new plant yeah. of the old plant I used to have. And honestly, the old plant that I used to have performs better than the new plant out yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. Hey, Jim, you always like to get uh, really exotic or different things. Are you doing anything this year? Well, I'm going to plant uh, some seeds of a xanthosoma. Okay. It's, uh, it's mm-hmm. a really unusual tree. Flowers may or so, heavy, heavy flowers and just long panicles of them. Um, and so you say this is a tree, This Jim? is a tree. It's a slow-growing tree. It's um, sometimes called a yellow horn. Um, so, you know, the seeds aren't very expensive, so I'm going to try <laughs> growing one of those. And I of course, like this man. He's going to plant the seed of a tree that is slow-growing. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I plan on watching it mature. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, oh, good thinking there, uh, bud. Yeah. See, I'm so impatient. I'd have to go find the tree and yeah. stick it in the ground. And of course, you know, you know I got the... Um, monkey puzzle tree not too long ago which i'm going to plant and i'm going to move i've got those um needle palms over at the other house i'm going to transplant those there it's going to be a challenge though because those needles are brutal so the yeah needle palm has been making it through the winter oh gosh yes they'll t- they'll go as low as minus 20 oh i love yeah. that yeah okay yeah they're extremely hardy now they prefer to be in some shade they look mm-hmm. best in a little shade uh, but you can grow them in full sun. But okay. they get six to eight feet tall. They get quite wide as mm-hmm. they spread and put up more trunks. Uh, but they have vicious thorns up in them. So it's going mm. to be a challenge. You'd to, almost have to, to wrap that them. thing in burlap, dig it up, and That's pretty yeah. tie it up. You know, pull, where you're not touching that foliage I, at all. I'm either going to pull the leaves up in time or I'm going to cut them all off yeah. and mm-hmm. just let them start over. So, um, yeah, I think I saw some of those on the availability of um, indoor plants I can get from Florida. But then I realized uh, after time that, uh, like, because there's indoor plants and like small indoor plants that that don't get very tall in 15 gallon containers. And I'm thinking that is kind of bizarre. But in Florida, those are used as trees and shrubs and things like that. So that's why they were so big. And so I realized, well, nobody's really buying them that large. Now, the needle palm, I'm thinking, that palm lives indoors? I don't know. But then again, no, they're selling... You wouldn't want this in the house. You yeah. Know, and if I you've think got it, pets, they bleed to death. Uh, you know? <laughs> so, yeah. they. I had to start learning to discern which ones to get. Cause, so 
So needle yeah. palm's not a good indoor palm. <laughs> not a good indoor palm. It's a great outdoor plant, though. Hard yeah. Seen pictures of them just covered in snow, and they come through it just mm-hmm. fine. But yeah, they've uh, they're and they grow well up into the north. Um, there's some up in like Boston area. Good lord! Uh, so we can do windmill palms and needle palms. Yeah, needle palm is the hardiest of all mm-hmm. the palms. What about, and you mentioned this tree, yellow horn? Yellow yeah, horn, yeah. yeah. And is that, Jim, is that something that, I mean, that I mean, have you ever seen one around here? I, no. Uh, in fact, I'm not sure that anybody grows it. Uh, I think a couple of reasons. One is that uh, it is such a slow grower. Right. Uh, but also, um, in some some areas it has, in Europe, it's become a little invasive. Yeah. Oh. Uh, so... It was it was um, studied by the Department of Agriculture, and yeah. they say, yeah, it's not not nothing to worry about. Yeah, because so, uh, like, I've never heard mm-hmm. of anybody planting yeah. one of those. Yeah, you you don't see the plants for sale. In fact, I've searched for the plants and have not been able to. Find and you them. said it has a panicle like bloom yeah. on it. I'm gonna pull up a flower here and let you see it. Because uh, when people mm-hmm. say slow growing, it reminds me of a beautiful ginkgo. Yeah, you know, a ginkgo, even though it's a very I say various, slower than most of the other trees. A slow-growing tree, to me, is still worth planting Mm -hmm. that tree because it looks so good. It's even, everybody thinks oak trees grow slow, but the oak trees outgrow so many other things quickly. Yeah. Well, you know, people think of oaks being slow. You know, the white oaks are fairly slow, but the reds and the black oaks, Mm -hmm. you know, they'll jump. Yeah, that's what I was noticing, too. I'm like, oh. I don't think that's completely right. Oh, I wonder if that... That's the blue moment. And it's hardy. Hardy up to about zone four. <clears throat> um, so anyway, it oh. needs it needs well-drained soil, which so I've got to... It's going to be in that elevated bed. That, oh, they were talking about the raised yeah. bed in the front yard. Yeah. It makes me think of a mixture between a dogwood and an althea. Yeah. It, and it reminds me a lot of the chitalpa. Yes, that's yeah. what I thought first. Yeah, yeah. Except the blooms are bigger. You know, and I've got I've got a chitalp at the house, but I think I don't think we're gonna get rid of it. Need more sun? Well, no, it's it it's in full sun. It's just you know it every few years it gets knocked to the ground because borderline hardy here, um, and <sighs> it's, it doesn't it doesn't bloom as profusely as I would like. It doesn't yeah. it blooms pretty much all season long, but. Just sporadic. It's so it's it it's not as impressive as it's uh, advertised. Right. Mm. We well, you know there's a catalpa worms, but our grandfather called them catobler, and my cousin thought they were catobler until about a week ago. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be right back. <laughs> garden help you need now mid-south gardening on the mighty 990 powered by palladio home and garden with your host veda vance kenneth mabry and jim crowder good morning gardeners and welcome to the second hour of mid-south gardening so glad y'all can join us if y'all are listening to us on a podcast later, hello, podcast people, listeners. Thank there you, you go. See, she threw that in there. But if you want to give us a call now, 901-260-5926. That's 901-260-5926. You can always shoot us a text on the Mighty 990 Facebook page, Mid-South Gardening. And um, this weekend is going to be, you know, it's wet and it's cool. Mm-hmm. Not a whole lot going on outside. We were talking about 
uh, you know, pruning, uh, when to prune hydrangeas mm-hmm. in the first hour, some of the gardening trends that were on their way out in 2024, which I think some of those, you know, I agree with, and some not so much. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, Jim's planting these exotic trees that no one else in <laughs> Shelby County has. So. Well, you know, that's... You were talking about earlier how they're not wanting to do swath gardenings anymore, right. you know, and that's never been my thing because it's a nurseryman's garden, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I have lots of different stuff, you know, and wherever there's a hole, I see something I want, plant it there if it'll, right. you know, if it's yeah. the right place. So I'm not concerned about that. But on a truly landscaped lawn, right, uh, or or garden, it there should be swath planting. I have to agree. Yeah, I mean. Even commercial. Yeah, because you're doing showy. Right. And just wow. And yeah. and you have to have a, a lot of one thing for a big impact. Yeah. You know, you got an eight, ten foot row of cone flowers. It mm-hmm. makes much more much more good or show yes. than <laughs> than one plant. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but if you're a plant person growing it for the plant, then you're enjoying each yeah. individual plant. You're right. not standing back looking at it as a whole uh landscape. Right. That's you're right. enjoying each plant. So, well, what about trees that we maybe shouldn't plant? You know, and to me, you know, the, the number one tree is going to be the tulip poplar. I just can't imagine. You know, maybe the tree that you shouldn't yeah. plant in your front yard. Yeah. Well, that's true. Small it's front it's front an estate tree. Yeah. Now, you know, there is one little volunteer that's a more dwarf one that is, is a good tree. Um, but it's not, you know, it's really not a front yard tree. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, sweet gum comes into play. And sweet gum, even though they're the, beautiful, but. Yeah. You just don't want to deal with the uh, sweet gum balls yeah. everywhere. But if you've got a mm-hmm. wet area, that's a great plant to yeah. pull because it'll help dry it up. Yeah, if it's in the distance where you're not running around through it all the yeah. time, because uh, it because it has wonderful fall color as well. What would I not? Well, we know we're not planting mm. Bradford pears. Yeah, yeah. Now that yeah. one I really wouldn't plant. Right. But you know, you start reading about mimosa trees. You mm-hmm. know, if you read what's out there, you wouldn't. You would actually turn around and make a detour. Not to even look at a mimosa. That's how bad they talk about them. But of course, I had one back in my back corner of my backyard for you know last twenty years until last year. Remember the storm came through and took it away. But there, I mean, it, it never, it was never a problem. It wasn't that messy. Mm-hmm. You know, it didn't shoot up little sprouts. It, you know, I don't ever remember a no. mimosa being a problem like that. Well, we had one in our front yard when I was very small mm-hmm. um, before we moved out of Memphis. I was five or six years old, and I climb up in it. But I can remember it getting these worms yeah. in the bark, right in the crotches. Uh-huh. Um, That's right. Which I thought was cool, but, you know, it's probably not the best thing for the plant. Yeah. I forgot about that. But, yeah. you know, but I really still don't see a problem with no. mimosa. Mm-hmm. I mean. Well, you know. Silver mag- maples. No, no. no yeah, yeah, silver maples. Mm-mm. But, you know, they're saying mimosa because it's kind of a trashy tree, they yeah, say. They but it. I also hear people not wanting to plant magnolia because they hate cleaning up the limb. I mean, the leaves and the leaves are so big. So what are you going to say? Don't plant a magnolia? You say I love magnolia. Yeah, right. yeah. You just don't clean it up. You let, let it grow to the ground like it's supposed to. It's Yeah, it's all at positioning in the plant. Some mm-hmm. people say don't plant a crepe myrtle. By the pool, yeah, or by right. the pond, right, or on top of the house. <laughs> Otherwise, plant a crepe myrtle. Yeah, <laughs> but I'm with Jim uh, and you. Bradford pears, I, I just don't. I'm not a fan of them because they're just so brittle, and we've seen that mm-hmm. over the last twenty, twenty five years. Uh, silver maple, same thing. Very fast growing, beautiful foliage, but just a not a good tree to have out there. Yeah, always in the spring too. Mm-hmm. We'd have people come in wanting whatever that tree is. It's got the white clusters of flowers. Yeah. they're black locusts. 
You know, yeah. Jim, you read my mind. Really nasty tree. Very yeah. fragrant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? Brutal thorns on yes. it. And it, you know, if you plant one, your neighbor's going to have one shortly. Yes. Yeah. They're going to pop up from root sprouts everywhere. Yeah. Right. So we can just enjoy those in the wild. Yes. But, but there are not too many trees that I, that, I would just stay away from. Right, you're right. What around we here, four or five. You, you know? know, so I mean, other than that, I mean, the, really, the biggest thing is is putting, knowing how big the tree is going to get. Mm-hmm. You know, we've seen so many times where we, you know, years ago, somebody planted some of these beautiful oak trees, really just way too close to the house. I mean, I'm talking about close to the house, guys. And invariably, eventually, you know, they get scared of the thing. You know, the limbs are hanging out over the tr- uh, the roof of the house, and they have it taken out you know, 35 years down the road. Well, if that tree had been planted, you know, 40 feet away from the house, it'd still be out there now. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Yeah. So, That's you know, location, I think, has a lot to do with the trees that we need to plant. Yeah. And even location with plants. I sent, I think I sent a group text to you, both of y'all. Jim responded. I There was a cactus. <laughs> there was a cactus, and then it had the fern growing out of the side. Mm-hmm. And I was like, how do I water this? And Jim's like, very carefully. But Hold on. A cactus yeah, like in I a container. It, yeah, I got it from um, the uh, houseplant place. And so it also had a fern yeah, in the same just, pot. Yeah, just where you could see it must have seeded or something. And it was just a little bit of a fern growing out with the cactus. So the cactus wants it to be dry. The yeah. fern wants it to be wet. Right. So don't plant that plant like that in your yard. Yeah. You know, because you have to water the cactus hardly at all, and a fern likes water. But it's still hanging on. We're just watering that one little side well, of and, the fern. And, that, and that's because of the watering aspect. Mm-hmm. But you also see, think about people planting azaleas with boxwoods. Yeah. You know, a lot of times you see encore azaleas, honestly, in the same bed uh, as these beautiful boxwoods. Uh, and, of course, the di- difference there, big time, is the pH of the soil. Mm-hmm. You know, the azaleas want the more acidic soil. The boxwoods want that more alkaline soil. So if you do that, you just have to be aware of that. Yeah. You know? Yeah, and that's why we see a slow decline on a lot of urban plants, because we are trying to have the plants that we like oh, and get them all fitted them in. in there, whether- so, yeah, so just know that... <clears throat> Sometimes things just won't make it. It's not that you're a bad gardener or that your soil's bad. Um, it's the watering that's well, kind of messing you up. Well, and then, of course, we all know that boxwoods, you know, they took a beating for the last year with the flash freeze that we had, you know, year before last, and then the volutella blight and all that. Uh, I was looking at some pictures from a lady yesterday. She was wanting to plug in a few boxwoods that she dug up and got rid of. There are still some there, and she was covering a big, you know, electrical green city box yeah, you know, that you see. Uh, and then she uh, she was talking about the pruning aspect because she has people that come in and prune for her. Well, the boxwoods were just, you know, zipped. They were cut just flathead across the top. And then she had some barberries that were planted in front of the boxwoods. And, guys, these things were cut down. To about four inches. <laughs> uh, so she could have different heights. <laughs> yeah. And she's like, I don't know why they cut them down this oh, far. Man. But but pruning, uh, you know, a lot of people, if you, my thing is, if you're going to plant shrubs, know how, you need to know the maturity width and height of the mm-hmm. shrub. Uh, and if you want something that's only going to stay three foot, don't buy something that's going to get six right. to seven foot. Right. And you constantly have to prune the thing back. Right. But, well, that's a... Uh, funny that you not funny that you were saying that but one of the things i was going to talk about is 
I saw a recommendation that said to keep your weeds down, plant your plants shoulder to shoulder. But that's not right either, because like you said, you need to plant a plant where it's got room to get its maturity. So sure. at first, the plants aren't going to be shoulder to shoulder. Right. You know, so, and, I, and that's where you see overcrowded yeah. landscapes. So yeah. don't. And I, I would go in customer's yards and actually draw circles of how big the shrubs are going to get because they could. It, you got to look three or four years full. down the road, right? Yeah, they wanted it full mm-hmm. right up front. And, and so I was like, this is your option. You can, we can plant it like this, and you'll see three years down the road, you're going to be full. Or we can do it like this now, and your landscape's going to be overcrowded. And, and you'll be sick having someone out here pruning three weeks yeah, from now right. and for the next three weeks and forever. Then one will die, and when you have to take it out, you find, see the ones on each side have no foliage yeah. on the sides, and they're brown and sticks. Yeah. And, but uh, we you do can't see, do nothing with that. Yep. <laughs> we do see that a good bit, mm-hmm. though, where landscapers do come in. Yeah. And, yeah. and they're doing it because that's what the consumer wants. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, they want it to look, mm-hmm. like you said, they have nice and full and thick the day they walk off the job. Well, I do have to admit that I talked myself out of a lot of money. Yeah. But I can't I can't do that. I, I know how they're going to grow. So now if somebody wants to pack it like that, you know, that's fine because maybe they change their landscape every couple of years or something. Yeah, well, I've always enjoyed selling people plants twice. Yeah. I know so. <laughs> but, but but I got to tell you, plant I just those can't annuals let you go. early. I'll sell them to uh-huh. you two more times. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes, sir. Right. Oh, let's run to a break. Run. Let's sit here through the break. We'll be right back after these <laughs> messages. Good morning and welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. 901-260-5926. You can stream us online at the Mighty 990. Mm-hmm. Go to the Mighty 990 Facebook page, Mid-South Gardening. And like we say all the time, if you miss all of that, you can listen to the podcast at your convenience, uh, kwamradio.com, streaming live all the time. And I'd like to say good morning to our dirt buddies. Uh, Jan Childers texted him earlier, and so did our friend, Mr. Paul Little. He said mm-hmm. good morning uh, from Little Hill Farm. Yay. Okay, I got something. We talk about fungus and how good fungus is and what it does, and, and it's just the, uh, we just have to have it. But there's this type of mushroom, cordyceps, I think is how it's, uh, but it's a composite of a fungus that grows on the larva of insects. <clears throat> and it's gross looking, the picture. Okay, so we've got this happening. Um, and it's been discovered like since 1964. And it's an herbal drug in China, but... The fungal, they take yes, this fungus off of fu- a bug. Yeah, the larva of the bug. That's really, it looks horrible on the thing, but yeah. it's good for, it's, they sell it for like exuberant amount of money. Uh-uh. Yeah, like uh, four, uh, where was it? Something like $14,000, some of, because it's a social status. In China, so they're, they're not like, buying it so much for the health. So Somehow, the, so the Chinese millionaire's walking in there. Yeah. He's going like, "What are you drinking today?" Yeah. Oh, well, I'm drinking this fungus this from mushroom. the larva. Oh, yeah. They're yeah, like, yeah. Oh. And um, but what it? Let me see what it's supposed to cure or help. And I thought it would be a little better, but it boosts exercise performance, anti-aging properties, a potential. Uh, anti-tumor effects mm. um, helps diabetes too. Benefits of heart, and uh, on and on. That was a list of stuff 
that it could do for you. But the pitcher... And yeah, it's careful. People hadn't eaten breakfast this morning. I know. You have to see the picture. Oh, that's but, pretty nasty. I looking. know. But so so basically, they're eating dried caterpillars. Hmm. They're paying lots of money for dried caterpillars that have all these benefits. I don't mean to look up stuff like this, but I just go down the uh, rabbit trail, and I think bizarre things are interesting I prefer to my me. caterpillars drowned in yeah. <laughs> tequila. <laughs> Thank you, Jim. There you go. That, that cures all those problems, too. Yeah. But, but that, that does tell you something. I mean, not, I mean, just say, for example, fungi, okay? Mm-hmm. Of course, we all know that not all fungi is bad. Yeah. I mean, you got to have good Jennifer fungus out fun there. Say, there you go. Fun guy. Get it? But I'm talking about fun guy, Jim. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, um, you know, the the ecosystem is, is very diverse. Mm-hmm. And, it, and of course, fun guy is part of it. I mean, look at a mushroom, for example. Yeah. You know, when you see a lot of mushrooms growing in your front yard, really all you're seeing is the fruiting body of a fungus that's growing on organic matter. It's Mother Nature's way of helping break down mm, organic yeah. matter. Uh, and then there's some really bad fungi out there that we know of, of course. But in this case, Veda, <laughs> I mean, that's just Mother Nature. They're, again, probably breaking down the naturally, yeah. you know, these these insects. Well, it says that the social status is the worms provide rather than important health benefits. Yeah. Uh, there's um, different ornate boxes of dead caterpillars secured behind Glass. Yeah, see, there you go. It's more of a social status yeah. thing than it is truly a health yeah, thing. Yeah, it's like uh, $40,000 for a kilogram. Don't care. Not, I don't want it. I don't even think drugs are that expensive. <laughs> no, my diabetes medicine aren't near that. <laughs> or street drugs, even. Yeah. Oh, my word. But um, how exciting was that? That's pretty gross. Have, yeah, it is gross. But check out, it's C-O-R-D-Y-C-E-P-S. But don't you wonder, how does that ever get started? Yeah, you know, they make a soup from snake urine and yeah. milk. You know? Well, there you go. Why would anybody <clears throat> do that? That's my, I mean, it's got to be a first time. Yeah. You know, and then they market it like this uh-huh. is the, you know, the only for the elite and you better have a lot of money to, if you want this particular yeah. soup, well, I don't want it anyway. Right. You couldn't give it to me. It's got to go through about, there's a harvester, <clears throat> and then it goes to another person, then it goes to another person, and then they're cleaned, counted, sorted, and packaged in a vacuum seal bag, vacuum seal bag before being shipped off in the same afternoon. <laughs> you can only buy 1,500 pounds a day. <laughs> 1,500 pounds a day? Yeah. No, 1,500 pounds. Same thing, 1,500. Oh, yeah. Yeah. See, they never sound the same to me. 1,500 sounds like way more than 1,500. See that mental block, that psychological number Who wants 1,500 pounds of... (laughs) I know. Well, then, if you can sell it for 40,000 a kilogram... Anyway, I think I might get into this business. What is wrong with her, Jim? <laughs> well, I think the market here is going to be pretty slim. <laughs> <laughs> right. But then I looked it up. You and need you can, to know your customer base. <laughs> but, right, right. So if you look in America, you can <laughs> <True>. um, <laughs> you can buy those that that in a uh, bottle. Mm-hmm. Does it come but, in generic form? Yeah. <laughs> yes, it does. We need the generic. <laughs> and, um, so, but it's not that expensive over here. Yeah. So over there, it's a big social status, dead worms in ornate boxes behind glass. 
Yes, yeah, like in Kuala Lumpur, they have vending machines <clears throat> that sell gold bars. Really? Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Somebody thinks of every way we're entrepreneurs. Yeah. I mean, you know, now we have them that sell cars. So I, <laughs> that is right. true. That is right. Go uh, put your number in there. Zip. Here comes the car. Yeah. Wow. We're all about convenience That now. is crazy. All right, so what about uh, this spring and summer, guys? I mean, we're talking about some things that we, you know, are not going to see in 2024, some of the trends that are going away. I wonder what some, and I was, you know, I was reading about some of the trends that were coming up uh, in 2024, and most, I'm telling you, every article that I read was talking about how, invading you, Carl, talked about this in the first 15 minutes of the show, was being eco-friendly, and that's really I mean, all the trends that I read were talking about how we need to be careful what we plant, how we plant, um, and and trying to save on water, yeah. uh, trying to catch water from the rain. I mean, I was like, well, I mean, I get all this, and I think it's great, mm-hmm. but uh, it's almost every every everything I read; those were the trends. Yeah, yeah, it's um, but it's. Once we start learning that way and thinking with those um, intentions, by thinking of that, it kind of purposes <clears throat> toward that end goal. And you don't realize you're doing it by accident. But we're not saying change your entire line, landscape. Right. You're not changing your entire wa- wardrobe today. Just make a different choice every time. I mean, for example, one of the things that I read, you know how most of us have a house and a driveway that goes to the garage, yeah. right? Well, there's in a concrete or pea gravel driveway is a huge no-no yeah. they want you to use things that are permeable mm-hmm. you know or have gravel and rock and i'm thinking that's not going to happen yeah not in this you know suburban and city areas mm-hmm. where you've got houses you're not going to see all of a sudden gravel going to your carport yeah now there might be some concretes out there that they come out with that are you know let water pass mm-hmm. through them yeah there are yeah, there's a well, lot there of go. yeah, there's mm-hmm. a lot of permeable stuff mm-hmm. available, and it's even being touted as a benefit. Or people are wanting to buy their homes with all this um, better product. Yeah. that's environmental. And they're saying you know they don't like the you know the big slabs of concrete, even mm-hmm. the back pa- porch patio yeah, areas. Right. They're wanting you to do something different. Uh, and then they're all you know. Let's say a, a shady area under a tree. Okay, typically we don't see grass growing up under there, mm-hmm. uh, whether it's leaves or roots or whatever you see. Not mm-hmm. a whole lot unless you turn it into that. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what they're saying. Turn it into something. Whether you're planting hostas and ground covers and different you know shade loving mm-hmm. type plants that holds that moisture also. But I was just kind of like, dang, everything I'm reading is about being environmentally friendly mm-hmm. uh and those i guess well it's politically correct well jim but i mean how come i didn't see any other inputs though that's what but, was and that's the thing yeah the ones that are writing this are not looking they're they're preaching this gospel of eco friendly you know but in all my years in the lawn and garden business i had very few people come in and say i want something organic yeah you yeah. know they want something to get the job done. Now, yeah. it may be a Southern thing. I don't know. <laughs> but, you know, you, you just didn't see that happen much. Yeah, right. I and agree. Then, yeah, and then we started evolving to that, being sustainable, using what you have right. already. 
and just uh, improve because we have such a small layer of good soil on the earth to be able to use and it's going to wash off if we don't replenish it and if we don't plant then that little thin layer gets less and less and then when your environment starts becoming less then you get weird weather patterns and then eventually you just have a and like i said and i didn't disagree with anything that i was reading mm-hmm. the other day but well, i was surprised that i didn't see okay you know blue terracotta pots you know, or blue glazed pots yeah. are going to be the thing this year. Uh, you know, well, we, we did talk about last yeah. year. The, <laughs> the color this year is peach fuzz. <laughs> but then, uh, yeah. But then another one was the chartreuse lime. Yeah, I read about that also. Yeah. The lime. But but color. people were coming into the garden center actually, and saying, "Oh, the new color is peach." Yeah, it crazy. was bizarre. I'm like, wow, a lot of more people are reading this gardening stuff than I knew. All right, we'll go to another break. Give us a call, 901-260-5926. Good morning, and welcome back. I'm Beta with Claudio. Yeah, and I'm Kenneth with Dan West Garden Centers. And I'm unemployed. I'm Jim Crowder. <laughs> right. He's Except for here at the radio show. Yeah. Okay, so He's here's bragging. another one. I was looking at a picture. You know how people fill their uh, bottles up with water and flip it upside down and stick it in a container? Really looks tacky. Yeah, besides that, does it even work? Does it work? I yeah, don't I mean, know. And the answer is no, because, you know, yeah. you've mentioned so many times about how people tend to water, you know, the Just same place. Spot. Right, and yeah. the same things happen in there. Yeah. Water goes down at a triangular shape as it goes yeah. down through the soil. So none of that soil around that top is getting anything, and that's where all the important roots are. Mm-hmm. You know, sure. one of the things I pointed out on that picture of the San Jusina, Sandrasina. We're talking about the mother-in-law's <laughs> tongue that used to be San Severia. San Severia. Now they've said, no, 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 that can't be the class. I've just got to be in Dracaena. It's a Dracaena genus. But anyway, um, in looking at the soil, I could see that right around the base of the plant was wet, but around the edge of the pot was dry as it could be. Mm. So that's improper watering, and that's mm. not healthy for a plant. So, so, so you're saying the best way to water overall house plants. Or container-grown plants is to get the old-fashioned watering can out mm-hmm. and water the whole surface area. Or you use an old milk jug like I use yeah. at work. Or, which is <laughs> fine. Or I'll put it under the sink and just put tap water yeah. in it, okay. you know, and let it drain there mm-hmm. and then put it back in whatever decorative container. But you're got. saying that's yeah. a, a better way overall to water mm-hmm. than these little nice little cute little things yeah. you can buy that you pour water into, stick it down in the soil. Yeah. Which is okay, I believe, because I'm sure that's what Gina, my mm-hmm. wife, has been using for like the last five months is these different little glass designs mm-hmm. that you add the water to, you stick it down in there. Uh, so maybe move it around. There you go. Yeah. And I think she does do that, honestly. Mm-hmm. But I guess that's better than nothing, especially if you're going out of town. Yeah, I was going to say, I can see buying some time right. by doing that when you're out of town, definitely. But Jim, but you're not s- for solely watering Right, purposes. because I, I can see what you're talking about. When you stick that thing down in the soil, mm-hmm. the water's coming out at the bottom of that point, okay? Mm-hmm. So you've already pushing that water level down. Yeah. Where, like Jim said, a lot of these you know, roots are still close to the surface right. of the soil. Mm-hmm. And you're getting that water really on just one side of the mm-hmm. plant. So it can't be the best way to water. And then they turn it up in a dry container, and then it takes most of the water and leaves none for later, which was the purpose. So make sure your containers are watered well 
before you're going out of town. And then when you put that bottle in there and your soil's watered well, then it's not going to use it so fast. And then it'll leave, leave you some for the rest of the week if well, you're out of town for a yeah, week. Well, yeah, I hear what you're saying. So water well before you actually leave. Yeah. And then push the thing yeah. in there for your reserve water while you're not there. Yes, yes. But that's uh, interesting, Jim, because I, you are pushing the water down further, maybe. Than yeah, I mean, if you if you could see what's happening in the water, whenever you put water on the soil, it goes down and spreads out like yeah. a triangle. Okay. But you're not getting any side movement, you know, mm-hmm. in the soil. Uh, so it's, it's hard for people to understand that a particle of the soil, whether it's peat or whether it's clay or whatever, the particle below it doesn't get any water until the one above it has 100% of the water that right. it could hold. Right. Then it lets some pass through. That's right. And so, you know, if you're not watering thoroughly and saturating that whole ball, it, you're going to get it dry. And when it gets dry, it gets even harder to water. Mm. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Yeah. So there. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> it does. I know houseplants, all, I think, takes more work yeah, than outdoor plants. <laughs> Well, it's like uh, our guys will um, fill up the f- indoor fountains, you know, every month or so. You might have a little evaporation or splash, so they go around and then they're topping the fountains off periodically because there's a lot in the building. And I catch them, and they know not to ever pour water on a plant unless they've got the moisture meter to text, mm-hmm. test it. But you just got a little bit of water in your bucket, and you don't want to go back and dump it. So I see them every once in a while, and they'll see me and go, (gasps) but I'm like, that amount of water right there is the difference of the plant rotting and not. Yep. Well, and you said, you know, that houseplants can be just as hard as any other plant to grow, if not more challenging. Because a house plant is an outdoor plant somewhere, mm-hmm. you know. Oh yeah, and we're growing them, and we're growing uh, them indoors. Yeah, uh, you know, which is not truly natural for that plant, right, even right. though we can do it. Mm-hmm. That's not where it normally naturally grows, right. so it can be challenging from time well, to time. I have a sweet Leslie, she works um, in the. Um, she does like outdoor furniture and fountains and all of that when we combined our garden center with that side she all of a sudden became addicted to house plants and i mean she didn't do this really at all she's loving on them and watering them and all of that well she came in and she was i'm just really sad my my house plant inside has mealybugs Mm -hmm. i go well you know we got something off something stressed on it um it's just not as healthy as it needs to be and she stood up real straight and stomped her foot. My plants are healthy. <laughs> Don't and you I, dare. And I said, well, yeah, you do do a really good job. But the thing is, is these aren't indoor plants. Right. right. They're outdoor plants. So they're always at a little state of stress. And then you were moving, you know, your house and all that. So it went all over the place. And, and most of them were seedlings, you know. Well, that, say yeah. that again, Jim. Most, most of them are seedlings. They're young plants. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Like, I don't know if y'all noticed downstairs in the kitchen, somebody's got a little bonsai in there, and it's it's a um, uh, ficus microphylla. Mm-hmm. Um, that is, a, in fact, I have seen the largest one in the world, and it's it's in a uh, park in Kauai, on the island of Kauai in right. Hawaii. Yeah. It has a spread of 250 <laughs> feet across the, the canopy. Good Lord. This thing is huge. And this thing it's down that you saw was down there in a little pot. In a little pot, you know? If you put that thing in the ground, if it would be hardier, it's not, but it would get huge. That you know? is amazing. 
So yeah. We, yeah, so we've got little seedlings indoors. Right. You know, Ficus Lorado. Everybody's buying fiddle leaf figs yeah. now, mm-hmm. you know. They cut one down in the old arboretum that was at, at the Botanic Gardens that had grown to the top like 40 feet, mm-hmm. you know. It's incredible. <laughs> Yeah. Incredible. Yeah, when they asked me, how big does this get? <laughs> but indoors. How, how high is your roof? Right, right. That's what I was say. But, you know, and here's the other thing, too, is in the um, winter, fall seasons, mostly winter season, when you bring houseplants in that's been outside, they're going to drop leaves, but it doesn't mean they're dying. But it may take a while, but they're losing a few leaves just because of the change in the light. What about re? Because a lot of people ask this question. What about repotting house plants? Mm-hmm. A lot of people think that you need to repot repot a house plant every year to because you're getting fresh mm-hmm. soil. Okay. Yeah. Well, I can see that argument because right. you want them to get bigger. Well, but I'm talking about just just whether the plant is perfectly fine in the mm-hmm. pot that it's in. Still repotting it, not to because it needed to be repotted uh-huh. or bumped up, because they want to oh. they want to replace the soil. Okay? No, yeah, no. That's so I bizarre. agree. I think the only time that you need to repot a house plant is when you need to bump it up to mm-hmm. the next size, because we're still watering the house plant, so it gets the moisture. We're typically feeding them from time to time, and you can always add a little earthworm castings or some kind mm-hmm. of little little compost as a top dressing. Mm-hmm to keep you from having to replace that soil every year because there's always risk involved when you're repotting Mm -hmm. a house plant, you know? But a lot of times, you know, you mentioned Christmas cactus earlier, Jim. A lot of times you'll see, especially like a Christmas cactus, that can stay in the same pot for 20 years, and the soil is basically just depleted itself. Uh It's it's gone. You know, it used to be towards the top of the pot. Now it's halfway Uh down. And I can see where people get the idea that I need to repot this thing mm-hmm. every year just to refluff that soil. Yeah. Well, that's not always the best idea. Well, uh, and I have before fixed people's plants by lifting that root ball out, adding more soil at the bottom, and resetting the root ball on top. But when I do that, I um, chop some of the dirt on the root ball. Yeah. And uh, pull some of the roots out yeah, on the bottom. So, so that way, because you're going to have two different textures of soil, really. So to, to have it even, water all even, then you kind of need to work the root ball to get it to blend in with the other good soil. And But yeah, if you're always topping it off with worm castings or a good indoor potting soil, then that's going to replenish because the soil will work its way through the plant. Yeah, and how often, yeah. Jim, I mean, you, don't even, you just repot yours also when they... When they need it. When they need it. And usually, you know, if it's a, something in, say, a, a 8, 10 inch or larger pot, when it gets to where I can't push my finger down mm-hmm. in it, when you get about halfway between the edge of the pot and the, the plant, if I can't push my finger down in there, then it needs to be repotted. Yeah. And usually I can put it back in the same pot because I'll go in there, remove, you know, a third or more of the soil, like... Veda was saying, loosen those roots, let them dangle. And, you know, one of the most important things to me is trying to match the soil that was in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, Instead of a brand new environment, you're putting it in. Right. Yeah. Instead of, you know, putting, you remember old back toe, which yeah. was the, what we had for years, <laughs> yeah. you know, that hardened like concrete. Um, but, you know, if you put that in there with a peat-based mix, you're going to have issues with water. Yeah. So we, we don't want to use like a cheap topsoil or potting soil when you've got a good quality soil yeah. that's in there. Use that so, container mix of some type. Right. That, yeah. So try to match it. And then, you know, now if it's you know, something that gets really big, um, then yeah, you may have to go up a pot size or two. 
Um, I had a plumeria that it got so big, it just got too big to be even handled. So I planted it in the ground this past spring, you know, and, and it grew another three feet. Oh, you know? beautiful. So uh, I took a cutting off of it and put it in a pot and let pull the other one to out preserve. of the ground. Yeah. yeah. How did you, you took a cutting, did you have to let that heal on that type of plant? I did. I, I just laid it on the shelves where I've got my plants and let it sit there for about a week. And then just stuck it into dry soil. Uh, and then, you know, a week or so later, I watered it. You know? Gotcha. All right. Y'all get your gardening questions together and give us a call. 260-5926. Good morning. And welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. We've been doing a lot of gardening this morning. Yeah, we have. And let me say one thing really quick. We're talking about houseplants. Um you know, using a good, well-drained soil in the way, you know, you should and shouldn't water these houseplants. And we always say, you know, typically don't feed during the winter months. Mm-hmm. Because the plants, even though they're still, they're not dormant, they're still growing, but you're not trying to encourage growth this time of year. But I was talking to a young lady the other day that was having a, some issues with some house plants, And we went over, you know, the watering uh, and so forth. And I said, she said, well, I need, can I go ahead and feed these things? And I said, well, if you're going to feed them, use your fertilizer at half strength. And the reason that she was even thinking about feeding them this time of year is because the way they looked. Yeah. They were anemic. You know, they just didn't look good. And mm-hmm. it's probably because they were either too wet, too dry, too, uh, uh, too hot, too cold. Mm-hmm. Who really knows? But I said, get in there, clean them up as best you can. Get all the bad-looking foliage off of there. Make sure you're keeping these things moist but not wet and explain how to to water. And then she started talking about feeding. And I explained, you know, we typically don't feed this time of year, but you can get some very mild water-soluble plant foods like Schultz plant food, Mm -hmm. for example, and some of the Tiger, uh, uh, the uh, Fox Farm Mm -hmm. products, as you know, and, and just use it at half strength. Yeah, right. You know? Yeah, because, um, well, you know, like if you're using, say, miracle Grow or something like that, definitely does, it can definitely do something, but right now we don't want it to just to go through the plant real fast and force it. But if you're using the Fox Farm or the worm castings, then it's it's there, and then when the plant wants it, it's available, so well, we don't have to guess it. Well, in long term, you know, like Jim was talking about two weeks ago, was a lot of these fertilizers have salts in them. Uh, you know, so you, you, you want to be careful using fertilizers with high sodium content. Um, you know, so, I mean, there's some out there I think that are better mm-hmm. than others. My house plants, you know, because I was wondering, my house plants indoors are getting good light, great light, and growing right now. It's warm in there. It's great light. It's by a window. I put worm castings on them September, October. Mm-hmm. And I've got a couple that are just uh, that are growing and filling out and looking really good. So I'm like, why are we saying when the houseplants grow, when, when you've got the right conditions, why are we saying don't feed it? Yeah. Well, and, and I know <laughs> we got Mr. Paul on, on the phone, but Jim, I mean, are you still a believer that you really overall shouldn't plant, uh, feed your houseplants you know, from, say, November to early March. Yeah, I try not to force any growth when you get the heater on and dry air being blown across. Um, it's All plants go through dormant periods. You know, even those in the tropics, they'll have a wet season and a dry season. And so they need that period of dormancy. Um, so, it, you, yeah, 
Yeah. But like if you're you know, using now, there are a couple of exceptions like mm-hmm. orchids. I'll use I'll I'll get it way down to like 10% of what's the, you know a label recommendation is and just keep it in the water yeah. all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, that that's good. Yeah, but like would a plant not taken Okay, you can get a plant and force it to take fertilizer. But if you're using something natural where the plant has to take it out when it wants it, wouldn't and if the plant wants it when it's in my house in the winter, then it's okay. What's the problem, right? Yeah. Yeah, so I'm thinking of that because well you get two different performances out of all different fertilizers. Right, but if you use a synthetic fertilizer and you're forcing that thing to grow, yeah, then that's you know, this time of year, I, would, I definitely would not recommend that. If mm-hmm. you're using something that's benign and very organic, like yeah. Big Bloom, for example, mm-hmm. um, you know, could you be wasting a good bit of it using it this time of year? Maybe. Yeah, um, but the organic matter bonds together. Yeah, so with, it's still going to be there when yeah. and if the plant needs it. Yeah, so you're not wasting it that way. But I do... So you, Jim would fertilize like half strength for orchids and probably more of Even not of an organic it's like 10 percent. yeah, yeah I, I, I cut mean, it way down oh, for things like that that you have to water on a very yeah, regular basis yeah you know um it fails once a week or so but uh-huh. some of them you know if you're growing um a lot of these vandas and stuff without any soil whatsoever yeah. um then you know misting them down with a very light dose of a fertilizer mm-hmm. i think because is that's beneficial the only, for them. yeah because that's the only because like I said jim you're you're they they really have no soil that they're growing mm-hmm. in right uh, and yeah. you're you're flushing every bit of nutrients every time you mm-hmm. water out of this bark median or whatever you yeah. use. And you know, so plants make their own food. Right. You know, all we're doing mm-hmm. is giving them some of the micronutrients, well, and, and nutrients mm-hmm. that they need to build cell walls and that sort of thing. That's right. So that's that's the whole purpose of it. You know, and a lot of it's going to depend on the soil temperature. You know, if when you get soil temperatures above 60, which in the house it's going to be, mm-hmm. um, then that back bacterium fungus and stuff will break organic fertilizers down and make them available but they're breaking them down into nitrites and nitrates so they're just as readily available to the plant and they'll suck them up regardless okay yeah, they don't true. make a conscious effort to go i don't need any today yeah you know <laughs> they're gonna they're gonna the fertilizer is gonna mm-hmm. get to them so i just don't like to force that kind of growth uh, particularly if you're moving them in and out because when you go outside you're gonna have brighter light you're going to have more compact growth. And when you get them inside, lower light, you tend to get elongated yeah. growth and thinner stems. And so I think it's just healthier overall if you don't mm-hmm. push any growth yeah. during the winter. Right, time. yeah. And and with worm castings and like that, it's not pushing it. Yeah, and you know, yeah. worm castings, have, as far as nutritional value, mm-hmm. have, don't have much fertilizer yeah. in them. Right, because I'm not trying to make it grow immensely right then. I'm just trying to have something always available and you're, for you're the plant. improving the soil you know, yeah. and the tilth of the soil and the microbial activity in the soil as much as anything. Mm-hmm. You know, people, I, I've been reading a lot lately about people who are uh, talking about Super Thrive, mm-hmm. how that it doesn't do anything, some mm-hmm. people say. Well, it for the plant, not so much, mm-hmm. but for the soil microbes, mm-hmm. it does a lot, which makes things more available to the plant. Right. Yeah. So, you know, it, it is a good product, but if you're planning to use it as a fertilizer, it ain't. Right. That's right. Yeah, you see, I, when I use it, I never expected to have growth. I'm just expecting everything underground to work right. and grow and get in the right positions. Uh, let's go to Mr. Paul. Good morning, Mr. Paul. 
Good morning, Beta, Jim, and Kenneth. And good morning to you, buddy, and Happy New Year to you, Mr. Paul. I'm so pleased I moved up the yes, list. that's really. what I thought. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know you had me last on there, Paul. Uh, well, Happy New Year to y'all, and Kenneth, we we really didn't believe that you was working last week. Well, I, I told yeah. you I had a customer come by to check in after what they heard Veda and Jim talking about, just to prove that I was there, and uh, clearly I was there, Mr. Paul. <laughs> Yeah, well, we had them out there checking on you because we it wasn't, we didn't trust you. We were just a little bit suspect. I mean, you know, it was yeah. the New Year's Eve weekend, right? So we just thought you were starting early, right? Jim, how much rain did we get last night? You know, I didn't check my rain gauge this morning, but it wasn't a lot. You know, it was I a sti- so. it was a we had a little brief shower, but it was mostly just a steady drizzle. Uh, until yeah, well, that's kind of what I thought it was when I went out this yeah. morning. I couldn't. It looked like to me I didn't have any puddles, and it didn't look like to me that we had. Uh, yeah, yeah. That we had a whole lot of rain. Also, what happened to the Sansevera? I know. Well, when they start doing, you know, testing them, going in and looking at the DNA, they found that they're they are basically the same plants as Dracaena. So you know, instead, well, all of our plants have been classified based on physical evidence you know whether those the reproductive parts look alike i think some of them botanists just don't have anything else to do that's right yeah absolutely exactly mr pop you want to hang on we'll get you after the break uh we'll be right back you're listening to kwam garden help you need now mid-south gardening on the mighty 990 powered by palladio home and garden with your host veda vance kenneth mabry and jim crowder good morning gardeners welcome back to mid-south garden we're in our third hour and we love every hour of it i'm so glad y'all are with us i'm veda with palladio garden in memphis yeah and i'm kenneth with dan west garden centers and I'm Jim Crowder. I am the administrator of our Facebook group, Mid-South Gardening, a retired nurseryman and just one heck of a nice guy. That's no right. doubt about it. And we have Mr. Paul on line one that's done so much for the horticulture industry around here as well. Good and, morning, Mr. And also Paul. a really nice guy. Yeah. Well, thank you for that. But I just wanted to mention on that change in the names of stuff in which, Jim, it's good that you explain that, why they do, because a lot of us don't really realize that they do all this DNA checking mm-hmm. to find out where that plant goes. But several years ago, they changed the designation on sedum mm-hmm. to phetimus. And all the ones that were that were usually called sedum are supposed to be changed to phetimus. Hmm. That was another one of them ideas that didn't kick on. Yeah. Nobody's going around saying, I want a phetimus. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they're still saying, give me one of those little sedum that bloom yellow with a little leaf. That, right. like that is thing. so true, Mr. Paul. <laughs> and even, I think it was, um, was it a clematis at one point? Like the fall blooming clematis used to be clematis something, and they changed mm-hmm. it to... And mm-hmm. no one would ever call it by the new name. Yeah. Yeah, it used to be you know, clematis ornamentalis. I think I can't remember, it, it, but it was just no one no. would do it, you know. But I would, well, you, Mr. Paul. Yeah. I'm still going to say the word sedum. 
Exactly. Well, that, that's the thing. I, everything changes, and yet it all stays the same. And back to what y'all were talking about, all of these trends. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We see them ever. You know, every year there's new trends, but that's uh, there's not. That's like Veda was talking. There's not going to be a great market for those. Or Jim, I think, was mm-hmm. about them worms that we're supposed to drink the juice or whatever right. that was. <laughs> no. I'm not going to do it, Mr. Paul. It's going to have to get a lot like cheaper. That. Yeah. 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 Several several years ago, you know, they had this little scooter. It was just going to take over the world mm-hmm. as far as transportation oh, yeah. went. Mm-hmm. And now you don't ever see them anymore. No, the They're, scooters. I mean, it was a good idea, but mm-hmm. it just don't work. And what we've got to go back to is getting out there, put your hands in the dirt, try it, see if it works. Yeah. If it don't, call the radio station and ask them, what do I need to do? <laughs> and then go out there and do what they say and then. That's the reason I've got pansies all over my rock garden. Mm-hmm. And they don't belong in a rock garden, probably. But Kenneth and Vader told me probably 20 years ago to start using pansies in the wintertime mm-hmm. if I wanted something that was colorful and looked good. Mm-hmm. And I argued with them for two or three years. <laughs> and I tried them on the green roof mailbox mm-hmm. 15 years ago. And it was the only thing that survived the whole winter and looked good. All the sedum on there just drawed up, mm-hmm. and you couldn't see it. And I want to be able, I want that pop. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I want to see something in the wintertime, and a lot of these things just are not going to give you that in the winter. And, and, and so we just need to try stuff. Yeah, and yeah, also, we, we call those natives. And Mr. Paul, that's kind of like some of the trends that we were going to say goodbye to in 2024. You know, all the talking heads. You know, one was plastic edging. The other one was swath planting. Well, when I hear swath planting, it makes me think of you using the word vignettes, right? Right. (laughs) So, and I don't think that will ever go away, though. And they're saying, no, you don't want swath planting with just one plant, one color, (laughs) You want all this diversity in there. And then, of course, you know, artificial turf, raised beds in the front yards, and colored mulch. I still think we're going to see all of that at some, somewhere, somehow. And it's kind of like, you know, greenhouse gardening. When Mr. Paul was selling a lot of sedums, Mm -hmm. it was the gardening that we were doing on top of our sheds and top of our mailboxes and everything. And I thought that was the best thing since sliced bread. But you don't see a lot of that anymore. It was a great idea, and it don't work in the Mid-South. Right. You know, uh, I've still got one back there in the nursery that hadn't fell down yet that has survived 20 years, and there's out of six varieties of sedum that I put up there, there's uh, there's one variety that has basically took over, and that's the old-fashioned Sermontosa. Mm-hmm. And it's the only one, basically, that has survived uh, throughout the years, and it will continue. But it was a great idea. It didn't work. In Germany, it's a good idea, and it works, but right. it's not over here. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. yeah. And how these things come Y'all, and go. It's like Mr. Paul, like he was talking about the scooter, Mr. Paul. You know, that's our right. new way of transportation. Not right. going to happen. I just love it no, when people tell not. me that... Uh, you know what I want. <laughs> you know, right? 
<laughs> yeah, well, I don't know them people. I guess it's like Jim used to tell me sometimes when I was doing mouse gardening. Uh, he'd say I had too much time on my hands. <laughs> I went into uh, Stringer one day, down on Poplar years ago, and had some little mouse gardens. And he lo- and trying trying to sell them to him, you know. Uh, and he looked at it and he said, "Dude, that's nice." But he said, "You've definitely got too much time on your hands." <laughs> <laughs> well, Paul, we love you to death. I'm telling you, if we can ever do anything in the world for you, of course, all you got to do is pick up the phone and give us a call. You know that. Well, we love you guys, and y'all do a great job, and you're a great asset to the horticulture community. And we just want y'all to stay right there and keep doing what you're doing. Well, we uh, we will always like to use the word dirt mm-hmm. buddies. I can't say it unless I say it really slow. Yeah. But I that's know, another I term know. that I got from Mr. Paul. Mm-hmm. Thank you, guys. Thank, Thank you, you, buddy. See you Thank later. You. It comes out burnt, Daddy. Yeah, it does. It? Yes, it does. <laughs> it unless you slow does. it down. Yeah, it absolutely does. It's like I have to say Forrest Tucker really slow. <laughs> <laughs> Really slow. <laughs> Loved him when he was in, what was it, F Troop? <laughs> Love it. <laughs> but trends are one of these things where, you know, somebody will write about it, some influencer, and then the next thing you know, somebody else is writing about it, and the next thing you know, it's taking off. But a trend is only a trend in someone's eye. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? It doesn't go across the board to everybody. Yeah. Yeah, this is true. And beauty, again, as they say, is in the eyes of the beholder. That's right. That's right. So, um, you know how there's like, there's keystone animals in uh, environments. Mm -hmm. And like a keystone animal in this one area would be a wolf. Okay. But why, you know, why would that be? So in this area, there was a lot of deer because the wolf, they took the wolf out of the place and the wolf will, you know, eat deer. Um, So there was a lot of deer, but then because there was so many deer, because there was no predator, Mm -hmm. the deer were getting sick. Right. And they were just, just getting the foliage, taking all the foliage, just Mm -hmm. eating everything um, because they're also separated from other environments by roads and things like that. Mm Mm-hmm. So, therefore, there's no undergrowth. There's nothing growing in this area because it's just been eaten so much. The deer keep populating, and there's no wolves as predators. Mm -hmm. They introduce the wolves back in, which then gets the deer population back in the right situation, which then allows all the undergrowth and things to grow, which then allowed all the wildlife to come back into this area, and the whole area rejuvenated oh yeah i mean you know until we mess it up everything's Mm -hmm. fine yeah right and it's kind of the same you know in a in environments if you don't have every if you don't have that keystone then the whole situation's always going to be off balance and we're downgrading we're downgrading our uh environment by not thinking of all these other things that go with it you know that's where they're coming up with building the ro- the uh, fairways across interstates. So you know over interstates, so animals can get back and forth. Because mm-hmm. when we develop, we all of a sudden put these animals oh, in you're, islands. It's a landlock, yeah. Yeah, and so we're seeing animals on the road and running over them because they're only trying to get to the other environment that was theirs also for maybe their water or their sleeping or their food. 
So they're creating these things to be able to walk over, and which then adds more greenery and foliage to our environment. Well, as well. and it's, it's more like a balance of everything, also. I mean, you got to yeah. have balance, right? And whether you're trying to do that on a large scale or whether you're doing it in a, on a small scale in your own landscape, yeah. But and that's where being a little more diverse, you know, everybody keeps mm-hmm. talking about. And I keep thinking about the fence that goes down the length of the backyard. Yeah. You know, you don't want the exact same thing going mm-hmm. all the way down the backyard. I'm not saying it doesn't look good. Yeah. You know, it yeah. could. And and I'm not going to, you know, complain if someone does it. Mm-hmm. But if something goes wrong with that one type of plant, then you've got your whole yeah. line that's to going go to be. With. But, uh, you know, as far as even spraying, for example, back in the day, 100 years ago, it seems like when, when someone had an insect problem on one azalea, they would spray their whole yard. Yeah. Regardless, yeah. every shrub, every tree, every blade of grass, spray it down to get rid of that one insect that's on that azalea, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And at the same time, you're getting rid of all these beneficial insects. Right. You're not killing just that one insect that's on that mm-hmm. one azalea. That's where I think a lot of people are more target sprayers now. Yeah. They spray just what they need to spray. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of the products that we're using are not as good. Jim, <laughs> 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 they're good. I just, uh, I think there's ex- not, they're not as persistent in the environment. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's true. Yeah. So, I mean, and it, it makes me think of that also when you're mm-hmm. talking about Keystone, you yeah. know, you don't want to kill every bug that's in your yard. Right. Because 90% of those bugs are good bugs. Yeah. I had somebody bring in a, a stem of a plant that had scale on it and um, it was only on this limb, only on the limb, nowhere else on, on the bush and the other plants around it aren't prone to it. But they wanted something. They were going to spray their entire yard because they didn't want. That, and I said, you know, really, it's just as simple. I said, you can do two things because it was snip, the thicker scale. Just snip that yeah. stem said, off. Just print it and throw it away. Or you can you can pick scale off. It wasn't the low white one. It was the, the bumpy kind. Yeah. Not the white oyster shell. Yeah, I got you. The brown one, yeah. It looks like a little snails all over it. But they pop right off, too. So... We're also learning to target spray, but also have to know that just because there's an insect right there on that little micro environment. And then, of course, I tell them that we we analyze the situation. Why was it stressing? Wrong place, too much water, not enough, new plant, you know, because if you don't change the condition that's making it stress, then you're going to always get insects. Well, because when things get out of balance, that's when we have a problem. I mean, think about some of the some of the foreign plants like kudzu for Once example Jim gets. yeah <laughs> <laughs> or yeah. even think about you know the snake fish you know that made its way over here i mean when, when oh. something exotic makes its way over here mm-hmm. and there's no natural predators to keep yeah. it in check it explodes mm-hmm. you know look at the flying carp that's out there you can fly down the mississippi <laughs> river now and get killed by a flying carp <laughs> So, you know, you're, but you're right, Veda, it, you know, everything needs balance, especially when it comes to nature. Mm -hmm. Uh, So. I I love watching the nature shows. Everything's so cute and it's so nice. But then when you see as the nature show continues and you have to see the predator eating the baby lion that we just watched the whole show of him growing up and how cute he was. And then you're like, let's not have those animals anymore. But that's how we keep the world in the proper population is, is that's just how it works. And how that pertains to us is, like I said, being, I think, a little more diverse when we're uh, landscaping, uh, you know, not just so one-sided of one plant 
in your whole landscape. Oh, we forgot our break. <laughs> okay, I'm going to cut you off, Kenneth. We'll be right back. Good morning. Welcome back to Mid-South Garden. Here's your chance to call. If you have any questions, 901-260-5926. Or you can post them on Facebook Live. And then you can go to Jim's Facebook page because so many people post great questions there. A a little over 10,000, dude. If you're like me, you go someplace looking for information. And then when you leave, you think... (laughs) So you can reach us during the week at any time. Just yeah. come on there and, uh, you know, if you're not a member, you got a few questions to answer. Um, and then uh, you can post your questions, post pictures, you can brag, mm-hmm. you know. You yeah, can't so, preach. Yeah, I can't <laughs> preach. So if you're listening to the podcast and then it triggers something that you want to ask, put it on the Facebook page. It'll get easier that way. We want, We're here to help you. You know, and we've all gardened a lot, all three of us. And then so many people that participate, you can tell they've gardened forever. I love the um, answers and the different ways people go about making, doing things. And I know now we, you're, they're asking on the page, we're starting to ask, where do you live? Mm. You know, because it's not all Mid-South. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of times you got to know where they're living to know if that can be the same procedure for you. I tried, uh, it's been several months back, to get people to post whenever they posted a question or a picture or anything to post where they are. Um, and we had a few people do it, but most people didn't. And hey, so what just, about that papaya was that the in mountain, Memphis? M- yeah, probably, yeah. Mountain papayas is quite often growing here. Yeah, and particularly if they're around a pond or uh-huh. a pool or something, they'll win- the seed will winter and the, and the roots on, will winter. The foliage on that one was a little different, but beautiful. It looked a little different. Like the umbrella plant? I mean, just the old-fashioned papaya? Yeah, yeah. Am I seeing that right? And I see a lot of that around, okay. like you said, aquatic yeah. dwellings. Yeah. Really? Wow. See, that's going to be a new one for me. Is I first time I saw papaya was in Florida, and I had to ask you, Jim, what it was because I thought it was an aurelia, um, but I couldn't understand why it had that big fruit on it. And Jim was like, "Oh, it's a papaya," and I was like, "I just saw a papaya." <laughs> Whoa. Yeah, you know, a substantial amount of the um, landscape workers we have in the Mid South are Hispanic because they work there. They work very hard. Yes. <laughs> yes. You know? Yes. Um, nice way to say that. Yeah. I mean, they are. They're, they're excellent workers. They have good. Um, um, they can make anything grow. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> anyway, but a lot of them tend to eat fruit and papaya seeds, and we see them pop up places where, you know, normally you wouldn't think papaya would be growing. Well, you had a little oh, construction neat. work done, and, you know, you yeah. just see them pop up. Wow. Oh, see, that's how we spread things around. Mm -hmm. That's so cool. Let's go to Cheryl calling from Arkansas. Good morning, Cheryl. You're in the garden, and thanks for the call. Hey, good morning. Happy New Year to all of you. Thank you, you, Cheryl. Say back at you, girl. I appreciate what you do. When and how is the best time to plant or or to move the azaleas I have? Well, I mean, any time in the fall and then again in the early spring are the optimal times to plant or even transplant your azaleas. Um, I mean, as long as the ground's not frozen, Cheryl, or muddy, wet, uh, you can even still do it now. 
Um, but mm-hmm. if it's you know if it's not a good time of year for you, then even you know February, early March is still a good time to do it. Like I said, but your optimal times are fall and early spring. But you know we we call this winter. Well, it's not really that bad yeah, yet. Not, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, what I would always say do is you know you know get as much of the root ball as you possibly can. Uh, and know that, mm-hmm. you know, azaleas are very shallow-rooted, so you don't have to dig this massive root ball out of the ground to get a good root system off an azalea. Get it transplanted to the new spot, of course. And, of course, two things. Drainage is big. Azaleas hate wet feet, so they need really good drainage. And then I would come back and mulch them in, but I would also use a root stimulator, even if you do it this time of year. Because the roots are still going to be actively growing, and you want to do everything you can to stimulate good root growth before it gets hot next summer. Mm, okay. All right. Okay, that's great. And well, use that Super so Thrive, much. too. That Super Thrive is fantastic for transplants. What is that called? Super Thrive. Yeah, yeah. We, were, we were talking about that product this morning, Cheryl. Okay. Whether you know whether right. you get just an old-fashioned root stimulator or whether you get liquid seaweed or whether you get something like Super Thrive, mm-hmm. any of those and all of those are great stimulants after you plant or transplant. Mm-hmm. Okay. For, for all the bushes, probably. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay, great. Oh, I thank you all so much, and have a blessed day, okay? Thank you. Thanks, Thanks for, for the call, Cheryl. Thanks, Cheryl. Thank uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, even now, I mean, mm-hmm. this is January, and we typically think of this as winter. Yeah. Uh, but if it's a nice day and the ground is not frozen and it's not muddy, mucky, wet, mm-hmm. not a problem. Has our ground ever been frozen enough to not plant, except for maybe back in the day? There, there have been a few, yeah, where we mm-hmm. had some prolonged temperatures that were really low, where mm-hmm. the ground froze, you know, two to three inches deep. Yeah. Um, yeah, I wouldn't want to plant that. And, and yeah. don't think that you can't even go out there in mid-July and dig in some azaleas up and transplant them. You can do it any time of the year. I just said the most optimal times to do it are now because mm-hmm. you don't have to worry about the heat. Yeah, right. You know, and the stress that's involved. Because anytime you dig anything up like that and move it, invariably, invariably you're not getting the whole root mm-hmm. system. Yeah. You can't. No. And, you know, there were winters when I transplanted a lot of things and never had to water because we were cool enough and wet enough. But what if this year, you know, if she transplants today or tomorrow, but we don't get any more rain in a couple of days, she'll have to water. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. I, we always, that's you know, in the first 20 minutes of the show, we're talking about typically this time of year, mm-hmm. you have a good bit of moisture. Yeah. And especially with the cooler temperatures, you don't have the evaporation going on. Mm-hmm. But, hey, that rain that we got yesterday, yeah. it's the first time it's rained at my house in about two weeks. Right. And it it couldn't get down in the root ball deep enough. <laughs> you better be, people <sighs> just better be ready to water. It's like I said, we live here in the Mid-South. It's the black hole of horticulture, like Mr. Paul mm-hmm. always says. And that can be for many different reasons. But moisture is the big deal. But the same thing on the flip side of that with Cheryl is you can't have too much water. They need really good drainage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, winter to me seems like from the middle of December to the middle of February. Yeah. That's the like the really key winter times. And uh, then after that, you do have the spring, and then we have some lows and all of that. But that's just our spring. Yeah, but if it's, I think it's a little too wet it's, to get out there and dig them up now, is. though. 71 days till spring. We'll Lord. be right back.
back to Mid-South Gardening. Oh, we come on air sooner than I know. I'm over here playing with my headsets. Y'all can see me. We had a young lady <laughs> call um, on the the phone, the 260-5926, which the same way anybody can call. And Jim, she wanted to know how to become or how to get on the Facebook page. Yeah, she wanted page. to post a question on there and how to do it. So once you, if you go to the Mid-South Gardening, you know, you can just ask to join and then there'll be three questions pop up and it's basically says you know you say you you won't do any advertising you'll be nice to people yeah nothing wrong um, with that you know and then we have the group rules which prefer you read you know but as long as you answer them all yes then you know I'll, when it comes to me i'll look at it and if you've been a member of facebook you know for 10 years not too concerned about it you right. know uh, but i look at almost everybody's profile we get a lot of um, particularly um, Southeast Asia mm-hmm. uh, attempts to join that have no post, have nothing about flowers, mm. you know, and they joined yesterday. Mm. Yeah. So these are people that are wanting to post ads on there. So, right. you know, I block those and make sure. So there's it, a lot of behind the scenes work that I do. Gotcha. To keep you it know? clean and yeah. And, yeah. And of course, and we had somebody yesterday thought, you know, I was, I think being a little unruly because I deleted one of their, their posts, you know, and that's, if, if, if I think it's not appropriate, I'll delete it, you know? Uh, yeah. You know, we're it's try- like blatantly wrong information. Well, you don't want to spread too, but that around. I don't want, you know, as much as I love the two of you, I don't allow you guys to advertise on the, on right. The, I don't want yeah. anybody advertising. So I prefer people not, name places to go right. buy things yeah oh uh, we're not a shopping out you know mm-hmm. i usually delete a question if somebody says where can i buy this yeah. and then i'll just go ahead and delete it because you know get on the phone get mm-hmm. on the internet yeah. look you know yeah. but you're saying but it's really easy to become a member it's of very the Mid-South easy gardening Absolutely. gardening and zone usda six seven eight nine yeah no nine. Say. no nine six not, seven eight not yet <laughs> okay yeah hey, really y'all know whose number is five two six five two six one Five two six five two six one. I've heard, it seems like I've heard that. You've number. heard that number. Is it an attorney or something? Jam Jam One. Yeah, I hadn't heard about that. In a Remember long time. Jam yeah, Jam 5, 2, 6, One. Five two six five two six one. Yeah, you get the weather sponsored. That by, still work? I don't know, but I thought of it the other day, and nobody knows what it is. It's younger than us, hardly. Yeah. But Jam Jam One five two six five two six one. We're gonna find out if that thing works right now. Oh, yeah. Let's see if we get our weather and see who sponsors it. And we've got Bob calling from Midtown. Good morning, Bob. Thanks for the call. Good morning. Uh, I wanted to ask Ken if he read uh, the book I gave him about Mr. Biedenhorn. I haven't yet, but I've got it. No, I haven't had a chance yet. Okay. I thought it was interesting about, you know, his family and his life and oh i can't wait uh he came yeah bob came in and um he was telling me about uh, a family and families that have been um in this town uh for a very long time and in fact bob you're saying that in this town they were some of the Vicks- first ones to bottle even coca-cola wasn't it beaten in vicksburg yeah it was first bottled in vicksburg yeah it wasn't made he bought the uh he made his own mixture of uh, the Coca-Cola uh, yeah. ingredients and all in first bottle mm-hmm. in Vicksburg. And I can't wait. Uh, I'll have time today to take a look at it, Bob. But see, I love okay. people like Bob that come into the garden center. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, we're talking about plants and everything, but also talking about yeah. Bob's hometown, which is Vicksburg. 
which yeah. if he had told me some of these stories, I would have never known right. it. Yeah. Yeah, but my oh, other question want... is, I've got a question about a, my porn setup. Yes, sir. Two, it was Christmas of 2021. My cousin gave me a porn setup plant that a friend of hers gave to her. Wow. This this plant is, I, I, it's hard to describe. It's having new growth on old growth. Mm-hmm. Have, have y'all seen a plant like that, a porn setup? Well, wow. I mean, it's actually a can be a woody plant, so it can sprout off of that hard off the wood part at the bottom. Well, what you know, the original plant was in a little six inch pot, uh-huh. and uh, the way you see them around, you know, between Thanksgiving and Christmas, they you know they put a lot of plant in a little bitty pot. Yeah, right. they just they just stick some cuttings in there and they know, you know, yeah. how long it's going to take to get them this height and in bloom. Yeah. yeah. Well, what I've done uh, a couple of, couple of months ago, I put it uh, in a in a larger pot with some good potting soil. Mm-hmm. And this plant the old growth, the old wood is say 12 inches from the uh, surface of the soil. The new growth is 16 inches with large, broad green leaves, and mm. on the very top, it's got those bright red, little bitty leaves. Wow! Cool. It's, it sounds like it's kind of reverting to the native one. The because na- the natives I, I, aren't that big and fol- proliferous as yeah. what they grow out in the native. Well, well, I kept it by a window. It's uh-huh. on the uh, north side of the house. And when we do get some sun, the whole top of that plant is bending toward the window. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. It, That's uh, amazing. Gosh, I have three. I, I haven't kept it uh, uh, just moist. It, you know, mm-hmm. every couple yeah. of days I'll stick my finger in there to see if it is, you know, still moist. Excellent. And, uh, That's the key. It's still, yeah. it's still growing, and I don't know uh, how, how much larger is going to get oh i've seen them i've yeah. seen them five five foot yes. six foot tall mm-hmm. wow i know yeah. it is crazy isn't it <laughs> that's well, I, wonderful I congratulations on that <laughs> yeah well i appreciate your show thank you bob, hey, thank for you for coming by the other day buddy good talking to you okay, okay. bye-bye and you know and now I don't know if Bob knows my take on poinsettias. Mm, you know, my take is, hey, the day after Christmas, that thing needs to go in the compost pile. <laughs> and we all, everybody knows the story about when I was cutting my mother's backyard, and she had potted some up in these containers, and they were sitting out there, and they were getting big. I mean, they, these things were four foot tall and three foot wide. Um, and they looked okay, but mm-hmm. I'm telling you, I walked past it, and eight billion white fly yeah. flew off this thing. And I'm like... And she's got other houseplants around there. Yeah. And I'm like, she doesn't need these things. Okay. I am intentionally going to work on seeing how this poinsettia does. I have three. They're so gorgeous right now. But I know I can probably only try to continue one. You're letting me down, Veda. I know. But I just w- I want, because we have a lot of people that do this and ask questions. So I want to experience this. I am going to have to bump it up. It's in a little four-inch container. But but Jim, was it reverting back to its native? Probably, but probably not. not. Probably yeah. foliage is just dwarfing down because of insufficient light. You know, they yeah. they need a lot of sunlight to have that nice mm-hmm. big growth and that sort of thing. So really, so. they 
couldn't revert back to native because aren't they hybrid cuttings now? They are. Or? They are cuttings. Yeah, they're yeah. all. They stick all cuttings. So. Right, right. So that wasn't it. It was just mostly indoors yeah. growing and all that. I've got a texter that texted in on the Mighty 990 Facebook page, Mid-South Gardening, uh, Miss Nancy Smith. And Nancy, appreciate the text. And good morning to you. She said, hello, I put cardboard over my tomato garden last summer to keep the weeds out. Uh, it is January now. Should I take the cardboard off so the ground could breathe? Question mark. Uh, or should I just keep it on so the spring weeds don't appear? Ooh, well... Jim, you like to talk about cardboard. You go ahead. Well, <laughs> I'm not a big That's fan. That's why I wanted of you it, to say it. You know, um, <laughs> it it does like you say it. It prohibits good air movement, uh, and so if it were me, yes, I would mm-hmm. take it up uh, and probably loosen the soil <clears throat> some. Mm-hmm. Check your pH, lime it probably, uh, and then uh, put new cardboard down this year on, on top of it because and maybe not as thick because it was there a long time actually do you think where it well, wasn't breaking down well you're right i mean you could get it one of two ways remember i even was talking about in the spring a um hardware cloth mm-hmm. you know how we buy a landscape fabric that can last three to six years right well there's also a landscape fabric that's made out of cardboard that you roll it out there and typically put a, people put it in vegetable gardens because it only lasts for one year. Right. But it does the job of help keeping the weeds down. Well, that's why Nancy, of course, put the cardboard down. And I'm with y'all. I don't mind putting, I guess, some fairly thin pieces of cardboard down uh, to help suppress the weeds and keep the weeds out of there. But if that cardboard hasn't completely broken down by now, mm-hmm. then I'm with Jim. I'm going to try to get that out of there yeah, okay. and just redo it in the spring. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's right. The soil does need to breathe and and um, uncompact. Yeah, yeah, when you when you pull that cardboard up, you're gonna see a whole lot of worms there, and you're gonna think, "Oh, this is great." Well, the reason they're there is because they drown. Yeah. Okay. It's not allowing the soil to dry out, and they need air, so they're coming mm-hmm. to the surface right. up underneath there. It's not that you've got really good soil and worms; it's just they're you know up there trying to save their life yeah yeah so but so the theory is people do use cardboard they mm-hmm. can use cardboard if it breaks down completely you're fine and i do like to use thinner pieces mm-hmm. of cardboard because yeah. there's some this thick y'all that will last i'm telling uh-huh. you a couple of years and out have there wax on them too and we don't want the wax no cardboards. so it's just a, a thin sheet of cardboard and what hadn't broken down by now, mm-hmm. I'd try to get it out of there. Like Jim's talking about, maybe add some compost at some point before yeah. you plant next year and check that pH. I mean, we have done it before, and I do see that it controls weeds and all. But long term, I think it, it may not be as good. I get it <laughs> for sure. I'm sure all gardeners do control those weeds. We'll be right back. Yep. Good morning. Welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. All right, now that we know what 526526 is one, and Jim? It does work. It's still Jam Jam 1. You get the weather, and except now you have to listen to a very long ad before they get to the part that... Oh, how times change. Yep. That's funny. I mean, everybody's got a phone now. Who needs to, you know, wear a watch anymore because, you know, time's right there. I still, I'll sit there and watch the weather and pull my phone out and read that because I can understand it better than the weather because they just told me five different things. It's uh, I mean, it's a that little, way they're right. Yeah, the, little computer I mean, in your hand. Poor weathermen, you shouldn't. Weather people shouldn't be feeling sad or beat up because they're giving information on weather. Like Jim, you're taking a lot of knowledge and putting it together. But like you also said, this is nature. Yeah. That's right. 
And but it can change. Sometimes mm-hmm. it seems like the weatherman never gets it right, though. <laughs> right. And that's when people get a little discouraged yeah. with them. <laughs> when you love to have a job like that where you're never right and still get to keep yeah. your job. Isn't that the truth? <laughs> I think that's a good idea. But it's, it's trying to predict. Um, and and they've, I think they've gotten better at it. I think they're better now than they ever have been. Oh, but yeah. what yeah. does that tell you? How There's bad it used stuff. to be. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Sometimes I I would sit and think, I think I liked it better when I was oblivious of what was going to happen. Man, can you imagine? And and I feel that way about the news now, you know, Mm -hmm. because they start out and you get 10 minutes of who shot who and killed. And that just, you know, it's just depressing. Yeah. Yeah. When I didn't know, it was was okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Because apparently we can't do anything about it. (laughs) (laughs) So That's a whole other topic there. Yeah. yeah, So back to the plants, because that's fun. Well, in (laughs) pre-emergence, you know, we're always talking about about trying to have a weed-free lawn and, and weed-free beds as far as that goes. Um, had a gentleman in the garden center buying some pre-emergent yesterday. Uh, and just because it's this time of year doesn't mean that you can't put a pre-emergent down. Weed seed, especially the fall and winter weed seeds, they actually germinate in cool temperatures, okay? Um, so if you want to keep that lawn as clean as you possibly can or as weed-free and the beds to some extent... Uh, putting those pre-emergents down about every three months uh, really does a lot of job, a lot of good for you. It just I'd rather prevent than kill, mm-hmm. honestly. And they do really a good job in preventing the weed seed from coming up if you do it every three months. Yeah, pre-emergent would be something I would definitely incorporate into my lawn care, definitely, because it just saves so much time and frustration. Mm-hmm. And let me say this also. Typically, you know, when we sell a pre-emergent, we're selling a product called Dimension, mm-hmm. okay? And you can buy it either like in a little 12-pound bag or a 36-pound bag. And she came in and said, how much does a small bag of Dimension cover? And I said, up to about 3,000 square feet. So I went and got the 12-pound bag and sat on the counter. She went, oh, no, no, I need more mm-hmm. than that. But she was saying that based on the size yeah. of the bag, yeah, exactly. not on the coverage of the product. Mm-hmm. So I was explaining to her, hang on, if you've only got 3,000 square feet, this is all you need. Mm-hmm. Because some products is more is not better. Yeah. Okay. Right. In fact, you can have detrimental effects if you start putting things mm-hmm. down at too heavy a rate. So, But that th- is one of the issues, you know, even with the dimension. If you're using a traditional spreader. Uh, getting that to setting right to stretch it out to 3,000 square mm-hmm. feet can be a challenge. It can, Jim. And that's yeah. what I said. I said, if this you know, setting says three and a half, put it on two. Mm-hmm. You can always go back over it. Yeah. You know, what you don't want to do is be, you know, go halfway through your line. And you're out. And you're out, mm-hmm. and you should have it covered 3,000 yeah. square feet, and it only covered 1,000. So all the, the extra is being wasted. But it made me think, Veda, when she just saw the size of the bag and said, oh, no, no, that's not enough. Well, it is. You know, and that's always that's been always the thing. Once they came out with good lawn foods that were high in nitrogen, you know, I need 50 pounds of fertilizer Uh, to cover my yard. Well, you don't need 50 pounds of this one. Right. right. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? We don't get it. What people don't get enough or understand the volume of is soil. Even that. We're always like soil in containers. Oh, that looks like this is going to be plenty of soil. And then you put it in and you still needed four more bags or three more Mm -hmm. bags. Soil is the hardest thing to estimate. And I see it with our people all the time. And it's almost like you kind of have, I'm going to make a cheat sheet. Do you need this much soil for a five gallon, for a 15 gallon uh, container? And also we could get a little more accurate because... 
It's hard to judge. That's also going to one of the determining factors is how big is the root ball going in there. Yeah, that too. If you're only going up two inches, you may not need much soil. Yeah, Mm -hmm. you know. And then they get too much soil because the pot's big and they're not thinking. Yeah, yeah, that is true too. I mean, you're always kind of guessing on on that. Yeah. But uh, Mm -hmm. I mean, even you know, square cubic feet. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of soils are going to be one cubic foot or two cubic feet, right? Yeah. But then you just got to figure out, and like you said, put a little chart down, how many cubic feet are mm-hmm. in a three-gallon, five-gallon, right. seven-gallon container? Well, this is bizarre because the Monrovia Earth Mix is all labeled in liters. <laughs> well, no, yeah. <laughs> but why did they do that? <laughs> and it's made in Nashville. We don't do liters. No, no. Let's stick to the old-fashioned gallons and cubic feet right because that definitely causes soil figuring problem but i'd rather see people overdo a soil Mm -hmm. than overdo a chemical that could really harm their lawn and their Mm -hmm. shrubs and everything else they put it on well let's see what what am i going to do today in the garden stay inside and work on house plants but i think it's a little warmer than that yesterday just a little bit so, it's still going to be in the 40s today. It's yeah. not going to be warm. Yeah. You know how we're talking about trying to keep houseplants clean. Uh, and we've got quite a few houseplants in the house that my wife takes care of. And she does a great job of it. Um, I was sitting at the kitchen table, and one thing that's been there for about a year has been a phalaenopsis. Okay? Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, that's the one I was telling you all that bloomed for five months. Yeah. I mean, the blooms were great on it. And she's got one bloom that came out on the very end of that mm-hmm. old stem, and it's there right now. But what I'm getting at is what I noticed on the foliage all was just a good bit of dust. Yeah. Last night, I'm thinking, okay, when uh-huh. now I see when people say to try to keep the foliage clean, I think the overall health of the plant is mm-hmm. better if it is clean and not just... And it's not like it's coated in dust. Yeah. But I was just sitting there and looked up, and I'm like, I see a good bit of uh, dust on the foliage of this thing that hadn't probably been moved in, yeah. you know, a year. Right, right. So yeah, cleaning the foliage. Get your, you know, wet paper towel or your wet mm-hmm. rag, Veda, with some lukewarm water, and get out there yeah. and really kind of clean that foliage, get that dust off of there. Well, I did. I have the mist. It's called Mister Mister, and it's a container. Thank you. Yes, and and it uh, runs off. Um, well, you charge it lasts a long time but in in the mister it's got a fine mist and uh i there was a balfour aurelia that had gotten spider mites because it was too dry mm-hmm. and in a little bit low light it was kind of stuck in this corner so i i got the mister mister and i mixed a little bit of liquid fertilizer yeah. <laughs> in the mister mister i got the mister yeah. and put a little neem oil and a little fertilizer in it so it's easy to agitate the neem oil yeah. while I'm spraying with it because, yeah. you know, Jim's saying we need to do that, and you too. Um, and then it was just a light mist all over the plant. So it, and then I did the soil too, so the microorganisms and all that could feed the soil. Um, but it really worked well. And it was easier because I put the plant like on a towel, but the mist distributes so evenly yeah. that it's not like if you're trying to use a spray bottle you're missing the leaf it's hitting the wall yeah it's not sprayed up off enough but then i went around and misted a lot of the plants um just for the, the washing yeah. of the leaves not yeah. trying to increase humidity trying to clean the leaves wash them off because they're indoors and of course it makes me feel better <laughs> <laughs> what do you think about dust on the foliage, Jim, of house plants? Well, you know, I've had something where it got so thick that it probably cut the light down sufficiently. <laughs> right. you know? That's it. Uh, but, you know, it, yeah, they really should be clean. Overall yeah. health. Yeah. 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 
Mr. Mister. Mr. Mister. Yeah. It works great, though. And it's, that's it's M-I-S-T-E-R. Mr. Yeah. Mister. I mean, it is. It's just fun. And it you said it's battery operated? It's uh, You charge it on your computer, actually, or yeah. USB cord. It and has. push the button and zip. Uh-huh. I'm amazed at how long it lasts. I, and we have fun with it. But they should make it a different color than white. Because you're well, thank you, thank you for listening, listening today. <laughs> <laughs> Why would anything be white in a garden That's center? What I'm it doesn't make sense. Right. All right, y'all. We'll see you next weekend in the garden. Uh-huh.